back to the Pint of Politics podcast. This is episode number 51 and it is the big end of year episode. It would have been a lot more suitable if this was episode 52, wouldn't it? I think like 52 weeks in a year. Oh, missed a trick there. But anyway. You win some, you lose some. You win some, you lose some indeed, mate. Um, so who have we got? We've got Liam. How you doing, mate? Fantastic. Very well. How are you? I'm all good. I'm all good. Did you have a nice Christmas, mate? I did indeed. I did indeed, yes. Did you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. What about you, Sam? How how are you? How was your Christmas? Bit of pheasant shooting. Yeah, that's right. like that, was it? Uh, no, not this year. COVID interrupted that annoyingly, so I couldn't do oh, that. Oh, did it? What did the pheasants have? <laughs> the pheasants have COVID. Have time forward, some, no, the, pheasant, the pheasants are isolating. The pheasants are self-isolating. So, yeah. You managed to squeeze some think... fox hunting in, though. Yeah, just on the side. No, trail hunting. Sorry, trail hunting. Trail hunting. No, it's all right. My brother my brother woke up uh, uh, Christmas morning with COVID, so that was fun. So he was upstairs all day, isolating, still is. But apart from that, it was a good, yeah, good day. He's just upstairs playing with himself, and he has to be fair. Christmas morning, Christmas day, Christmas day, cracked out about four wanks. <laughs> I, don't know, I had a pint in between them. Yeah. yeah, obviously, mate. That's what Jesus would have wanted. Um, right, what are we all drinking, boys, for this very Brilliant. special end of year episode? Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've had to accept defeat. I'm not having a drink as of yet. You're not having a drink because you were on it for 24 hours on Boxing Day? Well, I went out at half eight and I got home at half six, so 22 hours. That is the true spirit of Christmas, my friend. Mm. Indeed. Right, Sam, what about you then? I hope you're not letting the side down. No, I've got a couple of um yeah, it's just so it's where we go down in Devon called Salkin Brewing Company. So got a Devon Amber. It's only three point eight percent. I mean it's a great tasting bitter, apparently. Um Lovely. I haven't opened it yet, but we'll find out. Lovely. Well I've got a beautiful little lineup um today. I've got I basically got a little gift pack of beers for Not Christmas. that sort of line, Liam, not that sort of line. <laughs> I've got I've got a nice little gift set. Uh, so I'm currently on the Vocation um, Hop, Skip and Juice, which is a nice Manchester brewery, I believe. Um, it's a nice hazy mm. pale ale, very fruity. I'm enjoying that one so far. Um, and then I'll, I'll tell you what the next ones are once I crack them open. Uh, actually, no, fuck that. It, I'd probably interrupt people if I'm doing that. I've got a Northern Monk Faith Hazy Pale Ale. I've got an Alliance American Pale Ale. And to finish off, you'll like this one, Liam. I've got a tiny Rebel Electric Boogaloo. Nice. You've been to Vocation, you know. Yeah, we did, didn't we? We went the day after yeah, the Euros. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had that weird, um, like, stout. It was it like was 7.5% or something. Yeah, it was madness. Um, right, cool. So this episode is basically just going to be us going back through the events of the year that was 2021. It's now the 28th of December. I don't think anything massively exciting is going to happen in the last three days, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to go through, dissect it a little bit. Um, so strap in, get a beer or two or four, because you're probably going to need it. Um, and, yeah, we'll go. We'll start off with the month of January 2021. So we'll set the scene. It's the height of lockdown. Um Deaths are, are going over a hundred thousand for the first time in the <laughs> you vile man for the first time in the pandemic they've they've reached over a hundred thousand. 
Liam, what is your memories of the the bleak month that was January 2021? Because it was shit, wasn't it? Oh, it sucked. Yeah, um, I was working at a supermarket as well at the time, so it was even worse. You had people just panicking all the time. Oh, it was it was terrible, and it was freezing. I remember it being absolutely freezing. I was like, get up and like twenty minute walk to work in the freezing cold at six a.m. At least you had something to do, though. I suppose, yeah, I suppose, but yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't a great period of time, really, was it? No. Nah. What about you, Sam? What are your what are your enduring memories? Celebrated my twenty first. Uh, how was what, how what did you do for your twenty first? So basically, obviously, my dad was still working from home. Mum was only in school, so she had to go do that. It's just me, my dad, and my brother just getting absolutely slaughtered from about midday. Just, yeah, nothing That's else to do. Dad put the day off work, so yeah, it's all right. Yeah, and I have been that drunk with my dad before, so that was You've never been that drunk with your dad. I'd be pissed for my dad, but not at the state I was that day. Yeah, we're doing shots at four o'clock. <laughs> what was that? The twenty-first child you'd have you'd adopted was it or? Oh mate, January January twenty twenty one was a very very weird time. I, I when I think about it, I don't actually remember anything from it, like anything significant. Like I, I wrote I wrote this question. I wrote, I wrote that question in the episode today. I was like, oh, you know, you know, what's what are we gonna do? What was your last memory? And I was thinking, actually, I don't know. I don't know what mine is. I just remember going back up to Leeds actually. Milton Keynes. That's what I'm doing. I'm looking at my camera. I'm like, ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just remember. I just remember going back up to Leeds because I didn't want to spend another lockdown with my family. Um, that's a simple fact. Simple fact was I didn't want to. Spend no, I did that. I did. But you know, on no. the lighter side, on the lighter side, um, the the podcast was launched in January last year. This year, sorry. What so, was the first episode called? First episode was called. Do you know it, Sam? Yeah, it's called. Do you know it, Liam? Yeah, British. You weren't fish. even on it. It's called British Fish. Yeah, because British Fish. That was the week of Jacob Rees Mogg or something claiming that fish were happier now because we were they were British now that they'd left the EU. Yes. Yeah, British Fish. So that was Cheers the first. To that episode. Jacob. That was that was the twenty second of January, the first episode. Um, Have you listened to it back? I've never. Since. I've not listened. I've not listened to that one back actually. Nah, I, think I, all I the refuse other, to. I, yeah, like I feel like because I didn't, I didn't use a mic. I didn't have a mic. I didn't have a mic until about episode four, I think, or episode five. So I was just using the computer audio. Didn't realize. Now look at me. I've got this big dick mic. Can't get earphones to work though. Yeah, can't get headphones to work. Um, yeah, I should not. I should point out if anyone's getting any feedback, uh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's because I can't get my headphones to work. Typical. Um, so yeah, Planet Politics podcast launched twenty second of January. Um, Riots in the capital as well. Bit of American news. Do you remember this? Because this was right at the start of January. I think it was the oh, sixth January. Oh no, that was this year. The right, there was Jesus. proper riots and that, weren't there, over the inauguration of Joe of Joe Biden, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was 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 it also Stormy of the Capitol this year? Was yeah, that, that was the same. Uh, that's late. what I mean. It was about that because yeah. Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah. Donald Trump gave a big speech and said something like, "Oh, you know, make your voices heard" or something. And yeah. his supporters took that to mean go and smash shit up and kill people. Do you think they were right to ban him from social media in the wake of that? Mm. Liam? So no, not really. I mean, no. it's pre- it, like the time he was still the president, wasn't he? You kind of see it like, I mean, I'm in no way a Donald Trump fan or anything, but I mean, really? silencing the actual president of technically the free world. 
on social media seems a bit, I don't know, weird. Yeah. But I don't know. It depends, on it? Because I suppose if I went on social media and started trying to incite riots, then I, I would be swiftly removed. So I suppose what makes him any different, but he is the president of the United States. So yeah, is that fair to silence it? I don't know. I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I remember I remember watching it and like watching the actual riots on the telly and just thinking, what on earth is going on? Like it was it was so mad to me that this was we were watching these scenes in in America. Like like you yeah, said. So I remember it, getting like the like I remember getting like the news pop up on my phone. It's like protesters stole the Capitol building. And I was expecting to see like a couple of people running in, that'd be it. Yeah. And I turned the news on, I was like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> You, you, you never you never hear like you hear like good news you know what I mean like it's not good news but it was good news you know what I mean like it made good news oh, it was brilliant if it was interesting to watch if you, you know owned I mean? if you owned a news company that day like yeah thank you I was, I was literally sat there glued to the telly for like hours like even my dad who's not really asked about this kind of thing I was sat there watching it with him and he was going this mm. is fucking mad this like just watching like people storming the Capitol building like it was it was just it was insane it was completely and yeah I, compl- I completely forgot it was that was this year because it was obviously right at the start um yeah. but yeah yeah so there we go that was that was I mean to be honest January wasn't really a, a very exciting month to be fair it was just it was just a reintrodu- it was like lockdown again and all that stuff yeah it was just bleak it was very very bleak um and hopefully this one's not going to be as bad but um yeah, I mean, it was it was bleak. Lockdown, riots in the the free world, in the symbol, the beacon of democracy that America claims it is, and um, and our podcast launch just to cap it off for everyone. <laughs> so um, moving on, moving on to February, and in February we made a name for ourselves. Sam, what did we do in February? Oh fucking hell! I sh- no, was that what Miss whatever her name was? We did the Emily Rachel episodes. Emily Rachel, oh fuck it, hell. Yeah. So I remember watching. I remember we doing because we did that in my uni room, and we did that in my uni living room. And I just think I, I think that's about three words like the whole thing, just because I, I couldn't deal with what was actually I, going on. I lost a lot of brain cells in that. For those yeah. who don't know how that came about, bear in mind, like we just started the podcast. She was only episode like nine, maybe. Oh no, maybe seven. I don't know. I think she was actually seven. So we only just started and she put on a tweet saying, oh, I just want to be on someone's podcast. And one of my mates tagged me and it was like, oh yeah, go on, my mate runs a podcast. And I was like, haha, yeah. But then I thought, actually, you know what? It gets a lot of views. And today it's still our most listened to episode. I don't know. Like, it would take a lot of topics. I remember, because I remember the, like, that, I might have covered Twitter, just in like in our very small corner, very small Twitter corner. It's just lots of people just like, oh my God, what the hell's going on? What the hell's going on? It's going to be so shit. What's going on? And it was horrendous. It was. Torture to work But you know, but you know like weirdly about that episode, I remember coming off it and thinking that was shit. I remember thinking I was, that wait, was... No, you said to, I said to, I said she was like, what do we just do? Yeah. We, we both, cause we were walking to co-op, weren't we? Yeah. Or something after the episode. And I, I said to you, I was like, mate, that, I don't think that was that good, you know? I, I was like, people, I knew people would listen to it either way, but I was like, people are going to fucking hate it. Um, But they did. it got, well, I, I think most people really <laughs> liked it in a weird way. I wouldn't do it again. It was quite funny. It was I quite wouldn't funny, do it again. It was just, yeah. But um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to play 
going to insert into the podcast. I haven't told you, you boys about this little format that I'm doing, but I'm going to insert clips in from people. Um, and I've cherry picked some of the best bits of the Emily Rachel episode. Uh, and so I'm going to have them inserted in now uh, for your listening pleasure. So enjoy. The word fat phobic means scared of being fat, then I am absolutely fat phobic. I would rather yeah. pass away than be a massive lardass. Yeah, I would. I honestly would. Do you feel, do you think, right, and this is another thing, because I think people might want to hear about this. Do you find that you like, do you think you, you, a lot of people accuse you of like playing up to like oh, this I know. sort people of. I say that all the time. And I think you have to know me, like, to know that I don't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, because I, like, I'm not like stupid or nothing, but like, I just sometimes like, I just get carried away when I'm talking, and, and then obviously just people only pick up on the bad stuff on there. Whereas in real life, like, nobody probably even heard me say something. Where's the drama? I don't. I hate you, Jeremy Corbyn, but he brought the drama. Is that the kind of thing you want from your opposition leader? Is that what Jeremy kind of thing Corbyn you made me feel so sick? I blocked him on Twitter and Instagram. What was the reason? <laughs> I just didn't want to see it. Um. Okay. I don't think anybody should be walking around with a gun, but I do not want to comment on America because at the end of the day, they were the ones that did kill Bin Laden. What do you have for your bacon, Sani? Brown or red sauce? Mayo. What? what? <laughs> Oh. I love mayo. I love mayo. I don't have no other sauce. I'm fuming. I'm not having that. That's. I even asked the like the sausage sandwich shop, "Can I have mayo on it?" And the guy was a bit strange, but yeah, okay. Mayo on a bacon sandwich. Bacon sausage, everything. A Chinese. A Chinese. Mayo oh, I saw goes with everything. Yeah, like Charlie's have like dollop mayo. No, mate, mayo goes in like sandwiches and like maybe on your chips and in a burger, maybe. Yeah, that's it. Oh, man. Nigel Farage, any thoughts on that, man? Yeah, I don't know why he got a milkshake chucked in, really. Um, (laughs) Bit harsh. Oh, oh my God. He's an off flicker to Donald Trump, eh? Yeah, a little bit, to be fair. Yeah. Um, So you don't know what to do. Yeah, so you know not what you know yeah that's true but is that it just a bit of an arsecker and not really bothered about him no um, I don't know why I got the milkshake chucked on him really I think you need to separate the art from the artist what do you mean by that like I like Chris Brown's music I don't necessarily like that he beat Rihanna but yeah I had to go back and edit all these and listen back to the entire oh. episode yesterday, and I oh, the whole Abby Rachel one, yeah, because <laughs> I wanted to get the best bits out of it. I had oh, it on one point no. five speed, to be fair. Okay, but still, I got absolutely terrorised in that episode as well because I kept saying "fair enough" all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that was good because yeah. And then the next episode, I called it "fair enough." Yeah. Um, also, in February. It? We had Shamima Begum's court decision, uh, her court case, where it was ruled that she wouldn't be allowed to come back to the UK to fight against the um, decision to revoke her citizenship. What were your thoughts on this, Liam? Because you're quite left-wing. Uh, I agreed with it. Fair enough. If you remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do actually One remember, of the yeah. first things we said first, to you. That was my first guest appearance on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, nine. Was this was, was what we were talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I agreed with it. 
Yeah, haven't heard much from her, have, have we, recently? No, nah, but I feel, like, I feel like she's just used whenever there's, like, something mental going on in the media that the government want to distract you from. They just throw in some story about... Like, hey, look. Hey, look. It's yes, a... Yeah, like, yeah, it's all the gammon riled up again. Yeah, oh, we yeah. don't want her back. And meanwhile, they're like, I don't know, murdering old people on a mass scale or yeah. something. And it's like, but Shamima Begum's trying to come back. Just like great distraction <laughs> tactic. Again, it's just like it's such a non-event. Mm, mm, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so, yeah, there was that. There was also uh, an imprisonment of a Russian opposition leader. Can either of you tell us his name? Uh, Alexei Navalny. Correct. Well done. Impressive knowledge. Yeah, he was imprisoned for, uh, well, he, he, he'd come back from Germany. He'd, on a flight poisoned. to Germany, actually, he'd been poisoned, got treated in Germany and decided to come back. Bit of a weird decision, if you ask me. Yeah, the fight. Yeah, have, you been to have you been to have Germany a... before? Have you been to Germany before? Have the food? I'll be flying straight back as well. <laughs> I've always meant to be nice about the Russia. Huh? Is the food not meant to be decent in Germany? Mm, it's all right. It's, it's not not the best. I yeah, I was the third. No, I've never to been. To be fair, mate, we be, our experience, some of our experience in Germany includes Hamburg, mate. That's not renowned for its renowned for its food, is it? No, the prostitutes are good though. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping that one in. Um, keep it in. I didn't actually do one. It's all all fun and games for me. I'm allowed to make jokes. Wink, yeah, wink, that's wink. fair enough. Sell that to your missus. Um, <laughs> Came back and I had a green knob that fell off. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, <laughs> what else did we have? What else? We had uh, the death of Captain Sir Tom Moore. Very sad. Um, Hundred years old, obviously. Um, that was that was. I mean, it was sad, wasn't it? Let's be fair. You got a lot of uh, a lot of people proper slagging it off though, like the Scousers and stuff on Twitter. That was a bad day to be on Twitter. That. Or a good day, depends on what you like about it. But some scouts has got absolutely terrorised. So, is what it is, I think. Um, we had a, a certain parish council meeting, uh, got very famous in February, for a lady named Jackie Weaver being told she had no authority. Can anyone tell me what the parish council was? I'm sorry, was? her? Is it Richmond? No. No. I can't remember. It, no. It's Handforth. I never got that. Handforth Parish Council. Do you see that they did a daily, there's a Telegraph article about her like yesterday. Was there? Her, her PR team deserves everything they get, they're getting paid and more. Not even her PR team, just her public, like whoever's getting all these meetings for her because she's going to get a shed load of money for something which happened in February. Do you reckon, so do you reckon, her, me, do you reckon her like PR team like solely motivated by money? No, what PR team about money? Never. Well, that explains why she they didn't reply to my email to her asking us to asking me to come on the podcast. <laughs> hey, I the genuinely, huh? The rate she's going should be running for PM next year, I, mate. I genuinely, I fired <laughs> off an email, throw some shit, and some will stick. But um, yeah, this uh, this one did not stick. Uh, didn't even get a reply. To be fair. I sent it to her, her parish council email though, because that's the only one. Well, I could she'd run that. She'd be one running that. So yeah, that's what I mean. So I thought I'll go directly to her. Most parish councils have their uh, home address up, so you could have sent a letter. What a handwritten letter? I don't care that much. Please cover the podcast. What like a serial killer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cut out of newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I like, cut out letters out of, out of Hello <laughs> magazine. <laughs> Come Jackie, on, we're coming for you. Else. <laughs> I know where you live. 
Oh, Jesus, mate, honestly. Um, <laughs> what else? February, February, February. Oh, the roadmap out of lockdown was unveiled, actually. The initial uh, roadmap, which had the 21st of June, Freedom Day, penned in. Um, oh. Did you think they'd stick to it at the time? We probably spoke about this at the time, but what did you think, Sam? Did you, were you optimistic or, or pessimistic? Oh, I'm sort of going to go against what I said back then. I think I said that I wouldn't be surprised if it got pushed back. Mm. I don't know. I think I think I was probably I can't saying remember, I can't remember what you said. I haven't listened to no, it. No, yet, no, no. I think I was probably saying something along the lines of who knows if this government anymore? Like, what's what are they going to do? They might as well put. They'll probably push it back. They'll probably change something along the way. Yeah. But then I probably said, uh, who knows? Yeah, it was a, that was a fair uh, a fair point. Um, yeah, I was sort of a little bit like, mm, you never know. But I was we was clinging on to it, I think, weren't we? Because it'd been such a shit winter. And yeah. like the Christmas 2020 had been shit. So we just thought, oh, go on. What did, you find e- what did you find easier? Like the first lockdown or like September 2020 up until Jan, like up until February roadmap. So that long, like six or however many months. Yeah. I, found so I remember thinking first lockdown, I found piss easy. I miss yeah, my I friend, but I, I found it piss easy. But then the second one, like, well, October through to February, March time wrecked me. Yeah, I found I found the first one a lot easier because I wasn't opposed to it. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that. I think with the first one, everyone sort of, like, trusted the process, to, with use of a better phrase, because no one really knew what was going on. And, like, all the, mate, all the mad stuff you were seeing about the coffins in Italy and everything. Everyone was just scared, weren't they? So the first one, everyone was, like, fully on board with it. By the second one, everyone was starting to think, eh, it might be a bit dodgy, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the first, the weather was lovely in the first one. Yeah, it was to be fair. I just spent most of my time in the garden, like yeah, same. beers and stuff. I was... yeah, so I, me and my brother were just drinking in the garden most of the time. So it was lovely. Yeah, I thought it was quality, but, but it was bleak in winter. Like, expect, like January. I mean, I know we already said about it, but January was so, Shit. so bleak. Man, I was just, it was just every day at uni as well. It's like, should just get created, just drink. It's just like, oh, mm. fuck it up. Yeah, it was that like every weekend, wasn't it? Oh, I just get, just get, yeah. crazy, just get crazy. I just remember just drinking for no reason. Yeah. It was brutal, mate. Having that barbecues and that in the garden, it was nice. The, the summer one was the fun. summer one. The yeah. first one, was, yeah, one. Yeah, but the first one was class. The winter well, one class. Absolutely, the best best moment of my life, mate. Best time of my life. Uh, I peaked. I peaked in May twenty twenty. <laughs> personally, do you know what I hate? I hate seeing like nostalgic tweets about it. I've said this. Before, I hate that. Yeah. Or you know, we're mad another lockdown. You know, like oh, shut the fuck up, man. Like just so have you your got... own lockdown, lad. Sorry, side note. I saw you had a little argument with someone today on Twitter. Got blocked. Oh, or, yeah. Or technically we did, but... Yeah, it was technically on the Pint of Politics Twitter, so it wasn't just me. But was it I... when she called us three teenagers and you were like, actually, Sam <laughs> yeah. works in Pint of it. She's obviously, looked at, a... she's obviously looked at our cover photo, right? And Hang on, like, yeah. On Twitter, which is obviously a picture of us three. And she's looked at me and Sam and thought we were teenagers, which I can maybe see. Because I'm not, we're not far off. But she's looked at Liam and thought he was a teenager. And the cunt's got a full beard, man. It's, just... <laughs> it's where you were like, actually, so I works in Parliament, Liam's a master's, and I, <laughs> I'm a two, two and a half year undergraduate. Yeah, my achievements weren't as impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but yeah, that was a fun argument. She did block me very swiftly. She slagged off the pro lockdown World Cup as well. Is she? Yeah. How dare she? Like, she was like, oh, you did the pro lockdown World Cup. That was childish. Well, it's funny. How did she remember that? She must have known about the page for a while then. 
Maybe, or maybe she's just a little stalk or something. She's had to stalk it for a while to find that. Yeah, yeah but if you look for our media, you don't have to go oh, yeah, back true. that far. We don't post a lot of pictures and stuff. Mm. I think it was in like June, wasn't it, or July? Uh, what did she call? Did she, what did she else? She called what was it? She called fascist. Oh, she said um, herd oh. immunity is a fascist policy. Yeah, <laughs> a right wing fascist policy. It's like fascism has really been dulled down, hasn't it? Fascism has been dulled down <laughs> from from murdering and ethnically cleansing minorities to uh, letting people get a bit of a cold. Ooh, fascism doesn't sound so bad. Um, yeah, that's gonna get someone take, cl- that's gonna get quoted out of context, that. isn't it? That's gonna get quoted Con- out of context. Colin um, Lawson, twenty twenty one, fascism yeah, doesn't sound like, uh, so bad. <laughs> oh dear! Right, let's move on to March. March twenty twenty one. We had Liam's first appearance on the podcast. But Liam, can you tell me what number episode it was? It was number nine on it. It was number nine, mate. Well done. See, well done. Um, I was going to watch what the episode was called, but the episode was just called Liam Mason. Was it? So, yeah, I, used to, I used the to name the episodes after the guests who we mm. had on. Well, I still do, to be fair. Um, but right. yeah, you came on as a guest after you'd been in my DMs. You wouldn't leave me alone. No, in fact, I think the way that it started was that you messaged me after I did that viral tweet when I helped out that autistic geezer. Because that was in February. Yeah, that's how it was. That was in February. So you messaged me saying, can I use this as the uplifting story of the week? I do a podcast. And I was like, get me on one of the podcasts. So I'd do yeah, podcasts. I forgot you actually did something nice for someone. Um, <laughs> we just like, we, as we get to know more, you just realise it's sad. I thought he was a really nice guy. That's why I wanted to get he him wanted it. He wanted it. He wanted it to go viral just so we could claim it. So look what I did. Yeah. Look what I did. <laughs> it's one of them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Whenever yeah. anyone calls him an arsehole, well, actually, actually, I have to autistic kid. Can't be. <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go. That was Liam's first podcast appearance in March. Um, we also had the big one, Harry and Meghan's interview with Oprah Winfrey. That was a big, big bit of political stake. That wasn't it. That was a juicy sirloin. I I enjoyed that that week or so where that was booting off. Um, I still haven't watched it. You still haven't watched it? <laughs> I didn't watch it all the way through, to be fair. But I watched the, the bits where they where they called the royal family racist. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Do you think the royal family are racist, Sam? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Who, did you, did you, do you believe Harry and Meghan? I haven't watched it. I don't. I believe. I believe most of their claims. I can see claims happening. I can see Charles saying. What he, he say? Oh, what colours, baby? What colours are going to be? How dark is it going to be? I think How dark is it going to be? I can see, I can see that being said, but then, I, yeah, I don't. Know I can definitely you... see that being said. No, 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 exactly. I don't, makes, I don't think it makes you. It's like I don't think it makes you automatically a, a, a racist. Say a comment like that. No, 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 <laughs> no. As like, I think it's different generations. Well, my granddad's come out with some stuff, and my granddad's this is a socialist granddad. He's come out with some stuff. But it's like you can't say that these days. You can't say that. Is as yeah, like, it, as, as times have changed, but then fair, I wouldn't be. Yeah. I was having yeah. this conversation. I was having this conversation with my nan and granddad over on, on Christmas, and we were having this conversation. I'm not going to repeat <laughs> what my nan and granddad were asking me is okay to say, and it is not okay to say in this generation. But you can probably imagine. Um, but yeah, we, it is a generational thing. But also, when you're in a rep, when you're a representative like that, when you're representing a, a a body like the royal family, you've got to keep up with yes, the time. Yes, you've got no excuse. Yeah, you do, you do, if, if you if you you know what I mean. If you're a racist old man who just 
well, not, you know, sits down the pub, sits down the boozer and says stuff like, we're getting bloody immigrants. So you just tap him on the shoulder and say, yeah, all right, mate, see you later. If you, if you remember the royal family, you know what I mean? You're representing the country. You no, can't no, have I, these views. No, I, yeah, I agree. Um, were you surprised by, by any allegations, Liam? No, obviously not. I wasn't, I wasn't surprised in the slightest. At the end of the day, what the people have to remember is the Queen was, was the Queen whilst we had an empire for him. You know what I mean? We still had a lot like parts of the empire whilst she was the queen. Mm. So if they can literally, I don't know, persecute people in their own countries for how long, then calling a baby, oh, is it black? Is it going to be black? It's hardly that unbelievable. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, a really good episode came out of this whole royal family uh, shame and it was the Royal Family Debate episode that we did with um, your mate, Liam. It was Leon. Leon Rimmer, who we had on. Um, we had Jay, who's one of my mates from uni. It was a really good episode. That's one of our, that is one of our, one of our other most popular episodes today. I think that's a really good one as well. It's quality. Um, I don't know if it's more we need to do because... more. I think we need, to, we need to get more of those sort of debating, debate-esque sort of Yeah, I, I did want on. to. That was when I had that idea, I thought, right, we're going to do more of these. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like they are good. They are good, but you need a really big issue to get people's yeah, 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 yeah. attention on it. You know what I mean? Um, I'd love to do a lockdown one and have like an anti-lockdown, but I just don't think a pro-lockdown person would want to come on and defend their own. I reckon George. I know. Oh, I was going to say we get George Elliott on again, but I think we've ripped into enough now. I think just won't. He's not. He's not pro-lockdown anymore. Really, I thought. Oh, first. He was at the time, but he's not massively. He de- definitely was at the time. Yeah, he definitely was. Um, he's going to be on this episode as well, actually. So you've got to be nice to him. I'll Do explain we? that a bit later. Um, but yeah, so so what was I saying? The Royal Family Debate episode, great episode. I'm not going to include any like clips from it because it was just a long debate, really. And it, you can't really cut bits out of it because it's all related to each other. But honestly, a fantastic episode. And it's... Regard, I think regardless of what side you stand on with the whole royal family debate, whether you think they should be abolished um, or not or whatever, it was it was really interesting and quite informative as well. Um, so I'd encourage you to listen to that. I think it was episode 10. I want to say 10, um, but it, early. So go back and have a look because it was a really good one. Um, but yeah, one of our most popular episodes to date that. It was it was episode 10. Nice one. Um, out of that arose, obviously, the whole Piers Morgan scandal um which is the most the most complained what can you call it a scandal i don't know i think it's it was it was scandalous um it was the most complained about ofcom moment in history with fifty-seven thousand complaints um made to ofcom after he of course made comments saying that he didn't believe megan markle when she made claims uh well when she told everyone about how her mental health really suffered um, which obviously is a very personal thing and a very big thing to and brave thing to come out and admit in, in public and to be shot down by someone like Piers Morgan, who's given a platform on national television, uh, was pretty, pretty disgusting, pretty low blow. The thing is with him though, like I just see him as sort of like this this sort of massive idiot that you should just laugh at. He he just he, anything to do with empowering women or women being successful. 
he just can't handle it unless they acknowledge him in some way. He did mm. it recently with Adele. Adele was like the most like one of the most likable people to ever come off the island. No one has a problem with Adele. Everyone loves Adele. And because she didn't invite him <laughs> to that night that she had recently, oh fucking Adele's this and Adele's that. And like trying well, to set her up. He hated he hated Meghan Markle because she shut she did like want to date him. Yeah. yeah that's what she I mean. shut him down. He was just like, Nope, you shut me down. I hope. Oh, How dare you? Do you know who I am? I am the white male Piers Morgan. Yeah, he's just, that's just he just gives off the smallest dick energy ever. Mm. But whenever whenever he gets shunned by by women, he just like goes into overdrive of just trying to slag him off and tear him down and use his platform to ruin it. People like that should just be ignored as the pathetic little children that they are. That's mm. the way that I view him. He's just like a complete and utter fucking imbecile who no one should take seriously at all. And the fact that he even has a platform anymore is it just shows the failings of this country as well. What is he doing What is he doing these days? I don't, yeah, what is he doing these days? He's doing my tits in. Oh, yeah, except my... He writes the papers, doesn't he? Yeah, he's always going to be able... He's, he's, the thing is, people think, oh, he's actually all right. Oh, yeah, he speaks sense. You know what I mean? People no, people think, oh, yeah, he, 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 he's, he's got a bit about him as that Piers Morgan, which is fucking scary. Considering how much of an arsehole he is, Hang on, I'm just trying to pour a uh, can out here without giving it a ridiculous amount of head. But yeah, it was that was a whole that, that was when my Piers Morgan ah huh? makes a change for you. What trying not to give out head? <laughs> Can't help himself. He got um, walking around. Ah, huh? I, I didn't hear that. Um, nah, that's cool. That's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, no, that really, that was really well. He was platform, mate. He was offering out head for cigs and everything. <laughs> please, please buy me a kebab. Mate, to be fair, honestly, I might have been. I got to a point where I have literally no memory. Do you know I fell asleep on the train? Did you miss your stop? No, because it was, it was terminating at Preston, and I, that's where I had to change Oof. the the Blackpool the Blackpool to Preston train, and the the conductor it's had to me up. Sounds like the end of a horror novel, that, and it terminated yeah. at Preston. <laughs> <laughs> or just arrived at Preston. The, the ticket inspector like tap, like shook me and had to wake me up. Um, I once missed. A, I once missed my stop because I had so I was on a train. And I ended up in bloody Littlehampton, which is, which is like an hour and a half near Portsmouth, isn't it? Yeah, she's like an hour and a half away from Horsham. So I like just slept through Horsham, and it's so bad. Uh, yeah, I had a pair okay. of cabs to get home, and it's just oh, yeah, not nice, not nice. But yeah, there you go. Hundred quid later. <laughs> How much? Hundred quid. Oh fucking hell! Not bad that. Um, yeah, so Piers Morgan affirming his place in history as a man whose death I'm going to celebrate. Um, he's up there with a few others from this year, Boris Johnson, namely as well. Um, we also had the vigil for Sarah Everard in this month, where Metropolitan Police officers decided to go and batter a load of women for mourning someone killed by a Met police officer and on the on the bravado that they were they were breaking COVID restrictions. So that was a bit of a low point for the police, I think, wasn't it? Like the police can be dicks, but that was out of many this year. You know what I mean? I feel like they the Met police especially have had an absolutely horrendous year. What did their end of year drinks look like? They were just sitting around a table going, fuck it now, boys. You know what I mean? It's got, but, yeah, but mental cross sided dick's not lost her job. No, there was even, is that, like, doesn't see people at many at least public officials are calling for it either, which is yeah. either it's just, yeah, she needs but, to go. But She's, even, you know what I mean? At what point, right, as well, when you're a police officer, are you sent in to 
take batons to women mourning someone who was killed by one of your colleagues, do you think mm, maybe we're not doing something right here? Like I know they've just got I know they're just following orders by the, the lion's share of them, but sometimes you just got to say no. Surely, like I follow orders from like bosses, my bosses at work, right? So like you know, my manager might say, "Oh, can you go and change a keg in the cellar? Can you go and you know?" mop this yeah, they're exactly the same village thing, story, up. Aren't they? Um, but if that's fine but if they told me uh, can you go and hang yourself in the cellar I'd say a bit far that and actually there's a point where following orders becomes secondary to my own moral compass and this is where I don't go along with the argument where people say oh well they're just following orders but if the orders are shit don't follow them yeah, it's as if like you'd be working at the pub, and your ba- your boss goes, "See that uh, see that lady over there at the end of the bar? We sacked uh, one of your colleagues the other day for spiking a drink. Uh, would you do me a favour? Would you just go and throw it over her, please?" Like that's <laughs> that's basically what happened. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's on, what I mean. On top, of that, on top of that, did we learn nothing from the Nuremberg trials? The main thing that come out of that is I was just following orders. Is not a legitimate reason <laughs> to defend <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> That's very true. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> it was a terrible, a terrible, a terrible year for the Met Police. All in all, I think they are the like the the villains, the villains of the year. I think they've got to be up there. They've got to is be that up one there. of our awards. Awards. For I will. To be fair, awards. actually, now that I just say that in my head, I did a big article last last year that was called "Last Year in Politics," and I did do. I did heroes of the year, and I did villains of the year. So we can think about that at the end if you want to have any. Uh, nominations, but yeah, I think the Metropolitan Police are probably going to be an honourable mention. Strong, strong contenders. Strong contender. We also did uh, in that in that month the Educate Your Son episode, which was a really good episode that I did um, with my housemate at the time, uh, Grace. Uh, basically, where we just speak a little bit about the sort of issues facing women, uh, you know, women being attacked by men, things like that. Really important stuff, uh, obviously. Um, so I'm going to play a few clips from that episode, a few of the important clips for you now to hear. And like, it happened to me last week, like me and my friend were walking back from Sainsbury's and it wasn't even late, it was like seven o'clock. And um, and this guy just like pulled up next to us like in a car, like blasting music. And then was just like, just saying random stuff like, oh, you're gonna get in my car, like you're gonna come back with me. And we were like, obviously like you, you know that that isn't yeah. gonna work. Like you're not doing that to actually get us to come back with you. You're just doing it to make us feel uncomfortable because you've got like, this massive car. We're by ourselves, like there's not many people around. Um, so it's just bizarre that like people do that. But as you said, like, it's been going on for so long. I remember being like honked at and like, you just kind of think like, oh, it's just people like messing on and you don't realize like when you're like 11, 12, that there's that any, yeah, it's Jesus mad. Christ. And like, not to say that they're like pulling up like they do with like, like now, well, it might've happened to some people, but like in my experience, it was just like honking and like shouting, but you just think, oh, they're just being annoying. Like they're just being, like rowdy because at that age you're obviously like not like you don't understand like yeah the, the whole the whole story like we always have like i always have my keys like between your knuckles. like in my well not between my knuckles but just like between in fingers. my hand oh, yeah. Right, yeah. just like in case because i don't know it's just when you are in that position i guess you are completely like defenseless and yeah 
So this one here, which was like the big one that's been quoted last week, was like 97% of all women 18 to 24 years old have experienced some form of sexual harassment. 97%. Yeah, it's staggering. Absolutely insane. Like that's like literally nearly all of them. One of the main points that I think was made on this is calling out like your own friends. So, and that's such a huge, a huge thing. Um, like if you if your friends are being like weird deviants as a lot of lads are like <clears throat> not saying uh any of my friends are specifically like this uh, and if they were you know i'd, I'd be like what are you doing but uh, like there you do see it you see like lads like lurch in night when mainly on like nightclubs and i suppose it goes back to the point we was making earlier about this kind of thing happening maybe more on like nights out and when people are a bit drunk whatever um like you just see lads like lurching from like girl to girl in nightclubs sometimes you know what i mean and like going i'm like trying to dance with them or whatever or like you know just even like weird little things like grabbing their waist and stuff like you just you just don't need to do it and like obviously you're not going to see your mates doing it all the time like if you do have mates like this i'm not saying everyone does but you're not going to have you're not going to see it all the time but like when you do like i think you've got to think about how that's going to affect the person it's been done to So yeah, that was the Educate Your Son episode. Uh, Go back and listen to the entire thing if you want. Uh, Really important stuff to be discussed there. Uh, And I think it was really good to have Grace's perspective on it as well. So, um, and the final thing in March, I've got noted down here, are the Kill the Bill protests. They they all kicked off in March, Um, mainly in Bristol. Do you remember the ones in Bristol where the the police fans were getting torched and uh, the police station attacked? Mm. I, I remember that, yeah. I actually went to a Kill the Bill protest as uh, not as a participant, as a reporter, as a as a, as a journalist. <laughs> um, yeah, I went just because I thought I agreed with the with the sentiment behind killing the bill because the bill was, in my view, um, curbing freedom of expression in a democracy. But the protest was a whole sort of left-wing coalition of interests. It was kind of... It got strange. hijacked. Yeah, it, it, well, it, as these things often are, you know, like even to use the example as well, of like lockdown, anti-lockdown protests and anti-restriction protests. I 100% agree with the whole sentiment of anti-restrictions, anti-lockdown, but how it often spirals is it goes it goes from anti-lockdown, anti-restrictions, and then you've got like anti-vaxxers and like COVID is a hoax people who are just completely off their nut. Um so this is, it was very much the same thing with the kill the bill process. It was, you know, there was speeches from the, um, like the Marxist society and at university. And like, I mean, Liam, well, you'd have been in your element, mate. Um, <laughs> there was, there was speeches. He was, was a speaker. Yeah, he was actually, yeah, he was up there. I organized um, it. There was, there, there was speeches from all these kind of people. There was one from a vegan activist who claimed that plants have feelings. That really was that sort of, and I looked around. Then everyone's going, "Yeah," and I was like, "What the fuck?" It was one of them. <laughs> I was, I was Liam, are you still planning on going vegan, Liam? Yeah, I'm just going to do it for a month in January. Oh yeah, you said you're going to do it for January. Yeah, well, not even like because I think plants have feelings, just because <laughs> I feel like shit at the minute. I need to. Uh, well, you look like that well, may I say, may I say, you look like shit too. So thanks, mate. Thanks, brilliant. Man. brilliant. Um, so yeah, that was the, the Kill the Bill protest. To be fair, had no impact though, did they? Because the bill's been passed, hasn't it? It's on its second. It has been passed, I think. It's nearly there, though. It's nearly there. 
nothing's going through at the moment. If we it'll be past, yeah, after in the new year, year wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. Can I just jump in as well, just on what you said there? You said Go for it. Often with these these protests, regardless of what side they're on, you always get hijacked by idiots. To be honest, I don't think they get hijacked. I think you always get like little pockets of these morons who will just say stuff that's completely radical and and ridiculous. I believe um, that. The reason that they look like they get hijacked is because the media solely chooses to focus on these little pockets of, of idiots, basically, to negate the, the the true message of what's going on. Because at the end of the day, there's obviously a lot of people who are fucked off about something that's happened. So they organise protests about it. Then the media, instead of giving that like genuine traction and genuine airtime so other people might get on board, they'll focus on pockets of idiots and make the whole thing am I going to have to say all that again am I going to say all that again no I got that I got that it, my connection was a bit laggy but I did get most of it right sweet you'll have to edit this waffle out now but yeah yeah no I think I know to be fair I think you're um, I think you're bang on there to be honest it was very much a um, a case of like it being hijacked by people um, but yeah I guess it gets amplified that. by the fact that the media like to portray the fact um that it, it gets hijacked. They like to sort of make more of it than than actually is the case. Um, I think that's We're fair. always going to get idiots at every protest because people are people and every walk's alive. Doesn't it's, like, it's like the mob mentality exactly. as well. It's just like, yeah. We're always going to get morons at, at stuff. But yeah, the media chooses to solely focus on that to sort of negate the whole aspect of the whole protest and ba- basically tarring it all so it looks like the whole thing is just full of morons. Therefore, people won't pay attention to it. Because if they actually gave eight uh, time to like the serious people who were giving reasonable arguments forward, other people would be like, do you know what? I agree with that. And then sort of join the cause, so to speak. Whereas if they just make it look like everyone there is a complete and utter moron, people are just going to sort of laugh it off, aren't they? That's yeah. why they didn't. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Moving on, though, to April 2021. And honestly, a bit of a boring month, this. Um, I didn't get much except for the death of Prince Philip on the 9th of April. I'm waiting for Sir Liam to do something vile or make a comment. Or... That's what I was waiting for. Us. That's what, what I was waiting for as well. Me? I was waiting for um, us to celebrate. I was waiting for him to like, pop the confetti or something. I don't know. <laughs> he got the party poppers ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll be waiting for this whole episode. Prince Philip died. <laughs> that was a vile day on Twitter as well. That, that was a vile that was, day. That was. Scousers. Who died? Huh? Oh, Prince Philip. Sorry, cut out. I apologise. Yeah, Prince Philip. Yeah, it was a vile day for um for for Twitter. He had scousers and like Irish Republicans against the British nationalists. It was absolutely. It was just brutal. It was all over the shop. Um, I think we, in a weird way though, like as as awful as awful as it is, these days on Twitter are what makes Twitter the best app because it's just depends which way you look at it, mate. But I think it's it's entertaining. Yeah, it's entertaining because it's just a frenzy of like everyone just fighting each other and kicking off and who can say the most vile thing possible to somebody else. And you're just sat there in the back with like your pint and you're just like... It's yeah, that's great. Yeah, I don't get involved with the exchanging of vile comments because I'm oh, not no. stupid enough to lose my job. No, but definitely yeah. not. I read... It was a day... Huh? It was days when you... Connie's getting fights with people on a uh, football Twitter. There those was. The that was when those I... Those are the days I used to live for. <laughs> Now I've got a job, I've got... The tweets, the tweets are all gone now, so it's fine. But yeah, they are. I've deleted that entire account because I was so worried about what was going to be on it. <laughs> to be fair, it's pretty, it's pretty lovely. It's pretty lovely. That wasn't anything up. 
It worked. It worked. I got my, uh, my last Twitter banned, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. It worked awful. It's probably just stuff that wouldn't look very good to a future employer, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Arguing with the Peterborough United chairman on social media. It's probably up there, yeah. Um, <laughs> April also <laughs> saw the reopening of pubs. Yay! Only outside, though. And it was still too cold. So um, that was such a finesse, wasn't it? Actually, no, the opposite of a finesse. It was such a liberty um, that in April the year before, it was absolutely sweltering. And then just as yeah. beer gardens open April in this year, it was bloody freezing still. Did you go Did you go to a beer garden at any point between April and them opening? Do you remember what your first pint back was? Yeah, yeah. I went back on the first day. What was your first pint I back? I think I went back on the first day as well, actually. It's a pint of Stella. Pint of Stella. Yeah. Sam, what was yours? Do you remember? Hang on, I've got a picture. <laughs> uh, it was a what? Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Mm. It's because right, it's because I took the dog out for a walk, and it was so I was like, I'll take the dog out for a walk, and we go to the local pub on that walk, and they the best beer they had there was Cronenberg. Jesus, Sounds like a shit the, pub, mate. What was the worst beer they had there out of it? <laughs> <laughs> the <Urine. bar. laughs> the, the owner pisses directly into a barrel, serves that to you in a, in a pint. <laughs> No, it's because they weren't. It's because they hadn't. It's because they hadn't got anything in. It's like they, they weren't prepared for it to be opening. So, so they pulled, I met Dish there ironically. Uh, so they it's almost like this. They weren't prepared. It's not as if they'd not been told. Know, the, the end of February. No, no, no. Exactly. That's why I don't get it. So when we got there. They were like, yeah, it was just nothing there. They had like they had uh, like ales and all that stuff. I didn't. Really, wasn't really in the mood for an ale. So fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I don't know what my first pint back was. I don't actually recall ever going to a beer garden. Oh no, actually we did. But you we went there for my were you? We went for my birthday at one for definitely. Oh shit! Beer yeah, but that, that was, was in a, May. That was a messy one. That was, that was a messy that. one. But I don't know what my first pint Jeez. on that. I don't know if that was the first time I'd been out to a boozer since they reopened. But if it was, then my first pint was Guinness. Were they not? Were they not opening doors then? Though? No, they no. weren't. Were they? No, they didn't open doors until the seventeenth of May. I'll tell you what else happened in April. What? European Super League. Yeah, but that's not politics, is it? Nah, but we spoke about it. If we did it at the time because you went to one of the protests. Yeah. Quality, quality. Um, yeah. Also in What's April... We can all get behind. That was, yeah. Also <laughs> in April, allegations that Boris Johnson used taxpayers' money to renovate his flat. Um, now fat. Now proven. Now proven what? Wrong or right? Right. Oh, right. So oh, no, they got, it, was dodgy don- it was dodgy donations, wasn't it, actually? It wasn't taxpayer. I don't know. I didn't really read into it, to be honest. Um, was this the start of a year of Tory sleaze, do you think, Sam? I think it was the they when they started discovering all the dodgy. I don't think it had been going... Like, yeah. It, yeah, the start yes. of it being exposed, not the start of it actually happening. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Don't know who Liam's smiling yeah. at and talking to in his bedroom. Don't know who one of those famous prostitutes he was talking about. You brought one back from Hamburg. <laughs> who oh, actually is it, Liam? It's my missus. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. Did you see the look on her face? She's gunning for you, pal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh dear right um let's go back in let's go let's jump into may let's jump into may because april was pretty dead 
Um, so we'll jump straight into May 2021. And we had a bit of local politics, didn't we, in May? We had local council elections. We had mayoral elections in some big cities. Um, so who did you vote for? Liam, who did you vote for? for on, I know you voted for mayor and you voted for local mm-hmm. councillor. Who did you vote? Which parties? And I voted, to be fair, at the time, this was when I was full. I'm still very much against Labour at the moment because of the way it's being run. But at that time, it was the height of Keir Starmer just being a wet wipe. So I always vowed that I was going to do a protest for the like the local elections, but I couldn't vote for anyone but Andy Burnham for the mayor role. If it was anyone but him, I would have voted for someone else. But just because it's him and he's like the, one of the number one politicians in this country that I actually respect. So I voted for him. For the locals, I voted for the Greens, actually. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Andy Burnham did it. Do you see? It was on. It was on the BBC recently, and he was like, "I don't support." He was basically he he spoke out against Keir Starmer in not in not so many words because he's basically like saying, "I support the government in not reintroducing restrictions on roads, and data doesn't support mm-hmm. it." So he's you can sit, mate. That's a little. That's a little leadership 100%. challenge waiting to happen there because Andy Burnham's like, yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, I think as well because he's not even an MP anymore, but. But I think that it wouldn't take it take much if he just said, oh, what, a seat somewhere. They'd sort him one out. So like that. Same, like, like that. Yeah, like that. And the thing is, if he actually went for the leadership and got it, I think that he would have a genuine chance of winning because... It's a, it's a candidate. It's always Jimmy Scaddle Yeah, as well. definitely, because he's quite, like, he's, he's a lot more centrist than I am. He's a bit of a Blairite, really, but it's, it's one of them people move on, don't they? And you can't hold something against him from 20 years ago. Um, and his, he, all he's been saying over the past sort of 10 years, I've agreed with anyway. Um, so if he went for it, I think he'd do well because he's a centrist. You'd get all the, the ones who were the swing voters who was just sort of in the middle and just pick based on who they like at the time. He'd be more likely to get them. The North, he would re, reunify the Northern, the Red Wall up North, 100%. Everyone would vote in, for it. In, in a heartbeat, it was. I think he'd clean up. I, I do honestly think that he would he would clean up if, if he got in. Um, but whether he's going to do it or not, I don't know if he's up for it. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. He's, he's not I think he's up for it. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's got to go for it. I think, I think he's got it for it. I think, he, I think he's watching that and he's like, he saw the amount of people that came out against, particularly Labour as well, Labour voters coming out against Keir for just automatically supporting the mm. government and just not being a genuine opposition. And then yeah. he's gone national TV and said, I support the government. Yeah, yeah, and and then he and then he did a great thing. Of fl- he just he flipped it back to saying because it's the working class who are the most punished for these restrictions. So then he's doing that great flip again, actually, yeah. like planted a sort of seed saying Keir Starmer doesn't care about that. So I, I think he's I think he's going for it eventually. The, the thing is as well, what I think he'd do is the first thing that I think Andy Burnham would do if, if he became leader again is he just reinstate Corbyn as an MP, and then it shuts all the like the whining full on lefties up who are still uh, like, rightly annoyed that he's been ostracised from the party, Burnham would just be like, yeah, let's get him back in as an MP. Because, uh, again, with, with Corbyn as well, he voted against the uh, restrictions. So yeah. we could, like, we're getting him back in because we want to take a new direction. We want to start fighting more off the way of class, but we don't want restrictions. So we're going to get Jeremy back in just as backbenchers. Uh, he does a good job. He's been an MP in Islington for years. And then I reckon he try and manoeuvre a bit of the cabinet. Around. I mean, he's not going to give it Diana, but she was one of the ones who voted against restrictions as well. I think sort of like your Dawn Butlers and people like that, I think he would try and base his cabinet on these people, the ones who... Yeah, he, he, and he'd bring in big names, I think. And yeah. You get, because that's something you can't do for, I mean, either front bench, maybe you could probably do a bit more for the Tories just because they're in government. But a lot of the back, a lot of the front bench of Labour 
you can't I can't necessarily name. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't a good thing if you're trying to win an election or trying to prove yourselves as an opposition. So Could you vote for him? I could be tempted. Really? If he says the right if he if he says the right things. Fair enough. Who did who did you vote for in but, the local elections, yeah. Sam? Was it Conservative Lib Dems. Lib Dems. Lib Dems. Yeah. Did he win? Or she? No. No. This point, I did. I did a double green vote in the uh, local council. Yeah, uh, remember you saying? Yeah, man. I did. Um, I did Andrew Cooper for mayor. And he lost. And I did a Green Party candidate for for mayor uh, for local council, and he also lost. So um, I've just been joined by. Just been joined. Because one of the gr- dog. It's because one of the greens came on here. Oh, is it a dog that nutting you in the face? No, it's not. It's yeah, um, this is. is my. Oh, what's that? This is. Danielle's dog, not Danielle, my girlfriend Danielle, another Danielle. He's just come up into the bedroom where I'm, where I'm doing the podcast. Um, That's sad. Mooching around. Oh, she has actually. It's called, she's called Bobby. Um, so big shout out for her on the podcast. Um, do you remember when you should do Dog of the Week? week. That's a little throwback. Uh, anyway. Oh, my God. Dog of the Year now. Um, so anyway, uh, Lawrence years, Fox Jimmy. in the mayoral elections. That was a funny one, wasn't it? Lost to Nico Omelana, the YouTuber. This man who claimed his campaign was backed by millions of pounds and was actually being serious, lost to someone who was literally taking the piss the entire time. I thought I was quite... That was, that was one of the best results of the election for me. Um, you know what I mean? It was just hilarious, wasn't it? Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I couldn't think of some more a nicer man to happen to. Yeah, he's an arsehole, honestly. Absolute prick. Um, massive, massive prick. But yeah, the, the local elections were actually really good for a couple of parties. The local elections were really good for the Green Party, really good for the Lib Dems. Um, but to speak about those local elections for the Green Party, um, we're going to have a little clip from Benjamin Smith to tell us about the Green Party's fortunes in 2021. In a year that's been dominated by national issues regarding the pandemic, it has been perhaps quite difficult for smaller parties to have the cut through they might usually do in, in normal electoral times. I think that being said, it's still been an excellent year for the Green Party. Uh, we elected a new leadership team with Carla Denier and Adrian Ramsey, which represented our first leadership team for a very long time that hasn't had a London member. Uh, I think that's increasingly important as despite being a London member, our, our, our best electoral results don't tend to be in the capital. Um, we're not widely represented on councils in the, in, in the city. Um, despite our excellent results in the London Assembly elections this year and Sean Berry's very good finish in the mayoral results, um, unfortunately at the local level we don't seem to quite have the same cut through. Um, so Carla being from Bristol, where we uh, absolutely decimated Labour's majority in that council this year to, to equal amount of seats, and Adrian from Norwich, a council where the Greens have historically done quite well, if perhaps not at the, the level they used to be, um, represents what I think a really good a step forward for the party. Um, that leadership election was unusual in the sense that there were no incumbents standing, meaning that it was actually quite competitive the first time in a while, uh, with the current deputy, Amelia Womack, uh, standing alongside a, a former XR activist, Tamsin um, giving them a, a, giving Carla and Adrian a really good run for their money, which was, which was nice to see. Um, our party's leadership elections can all too often be coronations rather than elections so I think it's um that was really a benefit to the party um in terms of local election this year I think you know we'd have to be daft to agree that it wasn't 
one that the Green Party was probably the biggest winner in, I'd, I'd argue. Um, we increased our council numbers to a, a record for the party, 445. Um, to, for context, it took us 20 years to get from 0 to 100, and now from 2010 to to net. To 2021, um, we've grown that four times quickly. So I think we can be very happy with how that's doing in terms of councillor numbers. Uh, we're leading two councils in the country. We're represented in 17 different coalitions, and we also formed um, our first coalition on a on a county council level, which represents the biggest up for the party in terms of wider representation at a at a high level of governance. As, as mentioned earlier, we took three seats in the London Assembly, which was a very good result for us, um, increasing our proportional share dramatically um which was which just goes to show that the push for uh proportional representation is one that's worthwhile because when people feel they have a chance to vote green and it will matter they, they tend to do so um i just want to give a brief shout out to our um sister party the scottish greens um although we're a different party uh in terms of leadership and membership. Um, the Scottish Greens obviously are now in coalition the Scottish Government, which represents the highest level of governance that a UK Green Party has ever been in. Um, so, yeah, I think overall, um, despite being a tumultuous year for everybody involved, I think we can still take a lot of heart and be very proud of what the Green Party has achieved this year. So that was Benjamin Smith talking about the green party for us thank you very much for for everyone who sent in clips and stuff that we've asked um to make up this podcast episode um that's really appreciated um but yeah the green party had a decent year by all accounts um and we also had in the early may the hartlepool by-election which produced a historic win for jill mortimer sam tell me if i'm wrong here it was the first time the conservatives have won this seat am i wrong yeah no right. no you're com- Correct, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was something like that. Um, what, he, do you yeah, think, yeah. what do you think this is symptomatic of, right? Liam, what do you think, right? Because places like Hartlepool, the North East and stuff like that, they're, they're historically socialist, you know, working class people. What turned them to the Conservatives? For me, right, if you... For me, at the moment, the Labour Party has sort of just been hijacked by, like, woke middle-class students... And if you speak to the everyday working class man in the street, I think in terms of economic policy, they are probably more left wing. But the media are very clever the way that they've made the the phrase left wing basically just means that you have blue hair and that you are non-binary and that you want to put your kids on hormone blockers. So even the word like the phrase left wing now is like a dirty phrase to people who are just working class. And to be fair, if we're being honest, the, the, the everyday English working class person doesn't give a shit about like gay rights or like foreign rights and stuff. They don't care about that. They, the, the, the main thing they're bothered about is being able to afford a house, have a job and being able to go to the pub. Um, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's just a brutal, honest reflection of the British working class. I, I think that's pretty, pretty fair to say that. Whereas, like, a lot of middle-class people, especially these, like, sort of more woke students, they kind of romanticise the working class as being this big political social movement who are going to change the world. Most people don't care about stuff like that. They don't care. I care, obviously. I, I don't think like that. But m- most people in working class, for example, that they don't really... They're not known for, like, going to university and studying, it, like, mad intellectual topics. They're having working-class jobs, which is absolutely fine. That's what working-class people do. But they're not 
they don't care about all these, yeah, like social issues, really. They're more bothered about economic issues. And yeah, the, the way that it's been turned is, is that, yeah, if you're left wing, you're basically just a massive pussy. That's like the way that the media have made it look. When like left wing isn't even about social issues, like libertarianism and, and stuff like that and authoritarianism, the difference is, is the difference in social issues. Being left wing is about e- economics. Um, and a lot of people just don't understand that. So that's why I think a lot of these places now, like the, the Tories are really good at like dumbing down things. Like for, to, to basic people who aren't, who aren't the most intelligent, the Tories are really good at dumbing down things and producing them on mass scales in the media. So the average average working class person who, with all due respect, probably isn't the most intelligent to read the news or whatever, read these things that the Tories dumb down and think, oh, these guys are more bothered about the working class than Labour because all Labour are, are going on about is like gay rights or Black Lives Matter, things like this. That's what they think that being left-wing is about, basically, when... It's not. That's just one aspect of of social issues, not economic issues. Yeah, sorry for going on a bit, but that's basically. No, I think no, that's that's sort of thing. I was I was asking you about it because I feel like you are very uh, <clears throat> well informed and like strong opinions about it. So yeah, it's mm. interesting. It's interesting how the left wing has changed in its perception, not only its perception, but in actual reality how it's changed as well. It's been it's been portrayed in a certain way, but I think some of that portrayal is actually to a degree correct. Um, you know, it is is a lot of like middle class sort of left-wing students and things like that, which potentially doesn't do it any favour. You saw that that in the whole Jeremy Corbyn momentum movement to an extent. I know the momentum movement and Corbyn are vaguely separate, but the momentum movement is vaguely run by middle-class, woke, young people. It isn't run by, it isn't association with the Labour Party. I think that momentum movement, even though Corbyn's not a member of the party anymore, it's still got this sort of hold... On at least the media's perspective, I think I agree with Liam with actually everything that he says, uh, right, that he just said. Um, yeah, it's, I think the media it still has this sort of hold on how the party is perceived in the general public. And uh, Starb hasn't done anything to combat that. Um, I think, I mean, I agree with Liam, I, I think every party dumbs issues down um, to, win a vote, to win a vote. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily a Tory thing to do, but. Like, I think Liam's right. <laughs> I think they do it very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I think the thing is as well, sorry, just to chime in again. Um, if, you looked at, if you looked at Corbyn's actual policies of what he wanted to implement, they, they did like a survey across the country and they, they like broke the policies down of what the, I think it was Labour, Tory, Lib Dem and like the Greens or something. They basically put the policies of what each party was but didn't put a name on it and was like, tick the box of which you think has the best policies, and Labour won by loads with the working class. But then they were like, "Oh, that you do realise that that's what Jeremy Corbyn wants to do." And then straight away they were like, "Oh, well, can I change it?" It's all about like public image as well. Politics. It's not just about your policies. It's about the way that people see you as a person. And to be honest, people just saw Corbyn as an absolute wet wipe. Yeah. When yeah. like I liked him, I liked his policies. I thought he was a pretty genuine. Well, yeah. This, this is this is the thing as well. Like it is important in politics, and perhaps this quote can't be fully applied to politics, but. There's a really good quote that what you just said then reminded me of something that Ricky Gervais says. He said, people now don't care about what the opinion is. They care about who's saying the opinion, mm, which yeah. is... No, no, so they don't care what the facts... They don't care what the facts is. They don't care what they the opinion is. They care about who's facts. saying it. And, and, but that can't be 100% applied to politics because to be elected, you've got to have a good public image uh, in this day and age. But, it, you know, still, like you were saying there, people actually, I think, if, the, if they... If, the policies weren't attached to the Labour Party and 
Jeremy Corbyn, they were popular. And I think that's that's yeah. proven by the, the the research and the surveys that were that were conducted at the time. Um but yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, um, I guess you look at the you look at the person who's going to be implementing those policies. Yeah. And then I mean, look at like that. I mean, if you ask most, if you ask the, I, don't know, that's, that's, I was going to say, if you ask the general public, well, if they trust Johnson, they'd say no. Yeah, they would. Maybe. But it's about it's about <laughs> you know choosing political leaders. You know, currently, it's a bit like asking you know which lung do you want the cancer in. Um, <laughs> it's it, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah. So anyway, May. The final thing I want to say about May is this is when the whole uh, Indian Delta variant scaremongering started coming into play. Um, yeah, we've done all right. We've not mentioned COVID for a couple of months. Um, but the Indian variant, big boy, uh, which obviously got renamed to Delta, started throwing out a bit of doubt about 21st of June, which obviously eventually was delayed, as we know. Spoilers. Uh, spoiler alert. 21st of June was delayed in case you weren't alive. And then um, ended up in a coma. Wee! Ha-ha! Um, and my dad got a dodgy ticker. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, mate. Have a day off. Um, he's been waiting. Yeah, he's, been, go, he's been waiting five months to say those. He has, yeah. He, he thinks he's hilarious, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, look at that Absolutely. face. Absolutely. Look at him. He's well proud of himself. He's well proud of himself. But yeah, that's when the whole... started on my nan. Oh, behave. Just behave. I've had enough. Uh, can you mute him? I might actually have to mute him, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this is when that all, all that kind of stuff started. Um, wasn't particularly fun, but I guess it, it was it was part of the whole uh, whole lockdown experience. Um but yeah, that brings May to an end. And now we are going oh, to the shittest ride at Disneyland ever, the lockdown experience. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um now we're going to go to some of the audience's questions. So we put out uh, a tweet uh, and message a few people asking them what questions they want us to answer. So I'm going to go through the ones on Twitter first and I'm going, through, going to go through some of the other ones as well. Um, so Stuart Clark, my cousin, big up Stuart. He'd be on the pod a few times this year. Um, we're going to start doing a tally chart for every time that you say Stuart Clark, my cousin, been on the pod times, been on the pod a few times. Every time you mention him, you always go, my cousin. Been on the yeah, pod I just, I just like to clarify. Even that. does Liam, he's, he even does it in a group chat. You know, Stuart, my cousin. know him, all right. So do you know what? Shut up. Um. <laughs> anyway, I can't want to. I can't want anyway, anyway. to meet you. It's like, oh my god, that's Stuart. his cousin. He's been, he's been anyway. on the pod a few times. <laughs> Anyway, right. Stuart, my cousin, he's been on the pod a few times. Fuck off. <laughs> Stuart, my cousin, he's been on the pod a few times. He asked. At his funeral, he's a Stuart. Here's <laughs> Stuart, my cousin. He's been on the pod a few times. It's going on his headstone, isn't it? <laughs> okay, now. Anyway, <laughs> So, that's Stuart, my cousin. He's been on the pod a few times. Uh, he asks... Rest in peace. He asks, how long has Boris Johnson got left as Prime Minister? What a quick answer, this one. Sam, what do you think? As long as the backbench gives him. As long as he wants. That's not a real answer. As long as... Okay. Well, no, because I don't know. As soon that's as... That's not a time, is it? You don't, go, you don't go, what time are we meeting for dinner? Or as long as the backbench gives us... 
That's a different. So, what do you want to meet for dinner? Um, I don't know. Star was going to pick up. They've got to actually offer a, a, a proper opposition because otherwise, they'll just keep. Because at the moment, we they still the Tories still won the next general election. Fucking hell, Sam! I said a quick answer. Oh, he's on. He's on silence now. He's he's gone on strike. Who, who asked? Yeah, huh? that's fine, that go on, go on. No, How long has he got left, Sam? No. As long as the backbenchers give him, yeah. Uh, till twenty twenty four. Interesting, Liam. Again, tough, tough one to answer in a few words. Um, I saw apparently the other day that uh, he's set to lose his seat. If, if there was an election tomorrow, he'd lose his seat. I saw the other day. But again, what Sam says, as long as the backbenchers give him. Um, if he got fired tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised. If he got fired in six months, I wouldn't be surprised. How long? Weeks, months. I don't know. Make don't a know. prediction. Make a prediction. And six whoever months. wins, whoever six wins months. gets the finest prostitute in Hamburg. I says this time next year, he'll still be Prime Minister. I'm saying, I'm saying he'll be gone next year. Yeah, at some point. I agree. Gone next year. Gone next year at some point, but... Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, this one from Brandon Wright. How significant was the news that Professor Lockdown, also known as Neil Ferguson, said the new variant is mild, and how will that shape how the government reviews restrictions in the future? What do we think, Sam? Quite. I think quite significant for any of those people who've been questioned. Um, another pro lockdowns to be following him religiously and be like look well he said this he said this he said this and took what he said as gospel yeah then yep. i think significant like extremely significant but for any of us who'd religiously been questioning the data or questioning the lack of data or, or not trusting what's going on it wasn't a surprise and it wasn't a th- yeah and, and i don't know the influence that it has over the government yeah yeah uh, no i i think personally it's a big it's a significant change um because like you say he's you're seeing in the media as well sorry you're seeing a swig of the media as well yeah i i think in over the last week or so i think we didn't do a christmas lockdown or we didn't restrict do restrictions before christmas i thought great and now we're not even doing restrictions before new year and i thought they might do um and I, th- I think there is, uh, like I say, I don't want to speak too soon on things like this because I have had egg on my face before. But I think we are seeing a, a, a significant change in the rhetoric from the government. And I think ultimately, yeah, Neil Ferguson's, uh, you know, report that it was it's milder, which is true, which we've known for weeks anyway, um, is a sort of a, a one of the, one step in that whole. There are still the good people who are going to call for restrictions. There always will be, but I think this is a significant change. I think we are witnessing a significant change. The thing that worries me, though, that I was thinking about earlier, is that because they haven't gone full lockdown this time. So in the last couple of times, they've gone full lockdown and then scaled it all back and got rid of it all. They haven't gone full lockdown this time, so I don't think they'll scale back any of the measures that they've introduced anymore you know what i mean so like masks and vaccine passports they won't be scaled back because people think well we can still do everything just conditional on on this whereas with a lockdown it's like all right we want absolute freedom again that's what i think about but yeah that i think it, I, to answer the question i think it's i think it's significant um not neil ferguson on his own because i think he's just one man but i think yeah i think the tide is turning which is good 
obviously. Um, James Molyneux asks, who would you rather be locked in a room with? Julia Patterson, Piers Corbin, or Adebayo Akinfenwa? Liam, what are your thoughts? Akinfenwa, he's a geezer. I don't know what the bad thing is. Oh, behave yourself. Behave yourself. Am I been living under a rock? What's he he's a wrong? 38-year-old you man who calls himself the beast. <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. I quite rate that. He, um, he seems pretty funny whenever I've watched him. Bit, so bit, yeah, bit, it's a bit nonsense saying he is a I am the beast. Brother. But yeah, he seems like a... Maybe he's have a actually, I'll just, cover, I'll just cover our own backs there in case of a libel charge. He's not actually an ons. Um, <laughs> not the, Sam, te- what not about the technical term. What about you, Sam? Oh, I don't know. Piers Corbin could be quite funny, to be fair. That's what I was thinking. I'd pick Piers Corbin because he could chat shit for days. I just imagine like sitting down, have a beer with him. He would just chat absolutely. Let it, let it. It'd be hilarious. And you just, you just occasionally, you just occasionally, just like you just chuck a little grenade in and just sit back and see. Yeah, yeah. The carnage that well, I choose, I choose Piers Corbett, Corbin and yeah. Julia Hartley Brewer, and just see what just watch. It's it Julia Patterson, not Julia Hartley Brewer. Two different. People. Oh, I thought should have a. Oh shit. Okay. No, just, Julia Patterson. Just Piers Corbett. Doctor who sells masks. Well, the retired. Oh, no. Retired doctor that sells masks. Nah, fucker. Nah, she's um, the worst. Nah, she's, she's well, actually, so to be fair, she said she's, she's trying to sue Julia Hartley Brewer for libel. I um, saw that, yeah. Yeah, because she, apparently she actually donates the profits from selling masks to uh, a charity, which is fair enough. Under, which is under her name. The charity's under her name. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> let's not get ourselves embroiled in a court battle, lads. It's the end of the year. Um, <laughs> I don't have the money for that. She'll be fair, she can zoom you if she wants. She'll win Brands out of the fuck all. <laughs> I've got no money. Um, anyway, uh, as we've seen, this is the next question, as we've seen with Johnson breaking the ministerial code, do you think that checks and balances in this country need to be stronger? An interesting question. What do you think, Liam? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do think the checks need to be stronger. It's not do, think as, do you think as strong as the United States or like as a more scaled back version of it? I don't really know how strong it is in the United States. I just—it's very so, strong in the United so, States. To give you, to give you, to give you a sense of the United States, every institution of government, every branch of government, can pretty much cancel each other out by this, by the extent of the checks and balances. So, you know, like, like uh, the president can vote something through, and Congress can just say no, but then the president can override the veto or whatever. You know, I mean, one of those. Oh yeah, no, I do know. You're on about like the the Senate, the. Like you've got court. like a three, you've got like the triangle, you've got judiciary, executive, and yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do know about that. Sorry, I'm just being an idiot and um, blame it on all the beer over Christmas. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I do think it should be just getting, a, just getting a pizza delivery from me, old man. Uh, oh, god, Terry, hey, lad, you man. Oh, Terry. <laughs> would you like to say anything to our listeners on the end of your episode? It's a pleasure to actually be here. I've never thought I'd get a, a chance to. To meet and make a, a got, debut got, on the podcast. You've got to speak into the microphone. Hello. Hello, we've been hearing your fire. It's fine. What would, you, what would you like to say to them? To who? Listeners. Our listeners. Well, it's, it's good that yeah, I think you've got a huge amount of support over this last year. I think it's um, credit to the work that you guys have done. I think it's been very interesting. I've listened along quite a few times. I think I've been taking the piss out of a few times as well by some of you. What is it, Sam? It's Liam, I think. Or Liam? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll let you guys off. It's fine. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, very good. Uh, I'm quite you have a good Christmas. Yeah, good. Not bad at all, thanks. Not bad at all. Come on, top man. All right, anyway, I'll let oh, you get on with it. See you later. Have a good New Year, Terry. Won't be long. Happy New Year, Terry. Yeah. Take care, yeah, yeah. yeah, Happy New Year, everyone, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. 
Right. No, I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm all good. Right. That's my that's my bucket list for next Sorry, year. Sorry, what are we talking about? Sam, you'll get your old man on it now. He's gonna say something racist. All I'm gonna say is all these other uh, all these other podcasts you listen to are like so professionally done. And then you come to ours and ours is just raw and authentic. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Cherry. Is the best podcast. That's what it is. Cherry's dropping off a pizza. <laughs> little, cam- little cameo <laughs> appearance. His dad still brings in pizza. You don't get fucking James O'Brien or anything. Sorry, also, did I see that as pizza with sriracha sauce? Oh, yeah, he bought up some sriracha sauce. I don't know why. I like sriracha sauce, but not on pizza. I've got I've got garlic and herb. Don't worry about it, mate. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> I completely forgot. That's completely throwing me. Oh, no, we're talking about the checks and balances. Do we need more checks oh, and balances? Oh, no, yeah. Um, I think yes to an extent, but I don't want it to be as as bad as the US, where it's just completely no. counterproductive. And you can't get any, you just can't get anything done. Yeah, literally, that's what that's what I don't want. Um, no, definitely, there should be more checks on ministerial ministers who break the ministerial code, and it's proven of if that fact is proven, then there should be more checks on their ability to continue in that role. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, they should be like come under severe investigation. That could lead to dismissal, depending on how bad it is, how bad it broke the ministerial code. Um, yeah, I don't think it should be as bad in America because, like you say, it kind of takes the piss over there, doesn't it? With every time they try and get anything through, just nothing ever happens. But I suppose that's that's what the uh, all the big corporations over there want because everything that's going on there at the minute, they're bankrolling it. So if nothing changes, then they're all sweet, aren't they? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um... And they're too stubborn to vote for like the other side to say if the Democrats were in. I remember when Obama was in, the other two houses, the, the Senate and what the other fuckers are called, I can't remember off the top of my head, they were all Republicans, weren't they? So every time Obama tried to put anything through, even if it was like a good idea for the country, they'd just go, no, not happening, just because he wasn't a Republican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is another question. Um, what would, Who would win a general election if a general election was held tomorrow? Liam, what do you think? Probably the Tories. Yeah, me too. Probably the Tories. I agree. Yeah, but I still think it, it'd still Important be an answer to the question. <laughs> I think uh, I think their majority. I think their majority would go down to five. It would crash. I think their majority would would uh, be diminished. But I'd, Lib I'd, Dems would go up. Lib yeah, Dems would go think, up. Yeah, yeah. You'd see a lot of a lot of people would vote for Lib Dems. I feel like it'd be a lot of protest vote. Uh, vote I'd, vote Lib Dems. I'd vote Lib Dems. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you vote, Connor? Who would I vote? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm, it, uh, this is the thing. Depends where I was voting because if I was voting in Leeds, then yep. Labour is just going to bank like steamroll it, regardless of what I vote for. Um, if I was voting in Milton Keynes, it's more of a marginal. I don't know. I'd probably vote Labour regardless of where I was voting because in Milton Keynes, they're a bit. It's a bit more of a marginal seat. In Leeds, if I don't vote Labour, then it's a wasted vote anyway. If, um, if I vote, if there's an election tomorrow, and I voted Lib Dems here, Horsham, it'd still be Tory. Mm. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, this is another question. I probably like with me, Jeff Smith, who's the MP for my area. He's a Labour MP, and he's actually like a proper sound guy. He like, and he his one of his main things is about um, like over, like changing all drug drug policy in the UK, which is obviously something that I have mass massive interest in. Done my dissertation on it, so I, I, I don't know. I might be tempted to vote him, but I don't really want to vote Labour. Yeah, fair enough. This is another question, and these are all ones that were sent to Liam directly, so I don't actually know. The names of all these people. Um, this one though, who's the favourite guest you've recorded a podcast with? Um, I'll have to go with Jordan. Liam Mason. Liam Mason. Good luck. Liam Mason. <laughs> Liam Mason. <laughs> That's right. Nah, he was <laughs> I'd go. Actually, no, Sam. What's your actual answer? 
I'd probably still say Liam, because I think that was, a, that was, a, it was actually such a good episode the first time we had him on. <laughs> or, I don't know, because I wasn't on the um, the Educate Your Son or the BLM. Who was the, what was the name of the lady we had for the BLM? Because I love that episode. Natasha March. I think that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Liam fell out of her, but yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that was that was a good episode. I'd I'd probably say the same as you, Liam. Jordy. Yeah, he was, Jordy he was, was good. Jordy Rick was Sanchez. Good. DJ Rick Sanchez. Yeah, DJ Rick Sanchez. It was a sick episode that one. To be Big fair. man. Yeah, that was a really interesting episode. I, I, I like I said, I really enjoyed that. That was. I, want, um, I, want, yeah. I want to give a shout out to to James as well when we did the Northern Ireland one. The uh, that was decent the, as well. That the Olympics one was like some of the funniest content we've done. What was it? The um, the working class Olympics or something. Or the dollar. Oh Olympics. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was some of the funniest content we've had on the entire program, on the entire podcast, rather. Yeah, it was. It's not often I sit back and laugh at myself because oh. I'm not <laughs> egotistical like that. Yeah, but that, that uh, one, we were all on absolute flames on that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was a good one. Um, <clears throat> this one from the same person. Uh, oh, well, it's the same question. If we had an election tomorrow, what do you think would happen? Um, we already answered that one. This one. Do you think once the Queen dies, we will see a collapse in the remaining parts of the British Empire? This question's off Leon. You know who's on about the fort? I do. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? It's a good question, that. Because realistically, how much territory have we got? I think I think at some Not point... Not a lot left, is there? Yeah. I mean, even like Barbados this year. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't like... think it's anything to do with the Queen. I, I do think at some point in our lifetime, you'll see a unified island. And the way that it's looking... Chances are Scotland might leave at some point, but I don't think that that's that the Queen dying is any relevance to that. So, in answer to his question, yes, I do think we'll see remaining parts of the empire diminish, but I don't think it's it has any relevance on whether the Queen's dead or not. Do you agree with that, Sam? I I think the I I if I agree with yeah a lot of what Liam said, but I think the Queen actually has a significant role. And I think her dying would be lots of people or lots of the remaining Commonwealth or nations who just who uh, don't have as much faith in the institution or look up to because the Queen is still seen as this like this this holy image, but Charles or essay skipped and went straight to Will. Mm. I don't think it would. It's just, I, yeah, the institution as it was 20, 30 years ago. Or oh, a hundred years ago, no idea. Anyone Not ever what be it what it was? And, uh, yeah. The queen, the queen is that last sig- that uh, image of what it was, and it won't ever go back to that, no matter who sits on the throne. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, this one was directed mainly at me. How many Jaeger bombs can Connor do in one go? Honestly, and he's got the Jaeger with him, so we'll find no, out. No, I haven't actually. I've <laughs> not got I'm not got any Jaeger with me. Um, I don't know. Maybe five, if I had to put a guess on it. They're pretty... You can't have too many, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hate um, yeah, This one as well is also interesting. Do you think it's wrong that anyone associated with Chinese media are labelled as such, but British-affiliated media don't get the same label? I'll ask you, Liam, first. What do you think of this? Um, I feel like with Chinese media in general, it's more sort of corrupt. I don't know, because British media is corrupt as well, but there's not, there's not really any such thing as like a free press in China. So I believe... So state-controlled media. Yeah, exactly. It's like state-controlled media. So I believe that if they get labelled as like associated with Chinese media, it should be a bit like take you with a bit, take it with a pinch of salt because you don't know what, what they're saying is, whether it's true or not. But then again, British media technically is a free press. I, I, do, I do still think that the... Freer, freer. Yeah, freer. I do still think that the media in this country 
are uh, obviously because they're owned by billionaires who are often Tory donors. It's coerced to suit a narrative as well. But there is still some sort of integrity, not much, but there is still some form of integrity in certain British media outlets. So uh, no, nah, I don't. I don't think that you would. That I, if for me, if anyone has ever wrote for the Sun or the Daily Mail, that should be flagged because obviously everything that they've come out of is just pure propaganda bullshit. So if you ever wrote for the Daily Mail, the Sun, or the Express, or appeared on GB News, you should have that tattooed on your forehead. But besides that, yeah, the, the rest of them I think have got a, should should have a free ride compared to Chinese. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fair enough. What about you, Sam? What do you think? Yeah, I just think the Chinese be we yeah, you can raise issues of our media, like Liam says most of the at least the newspapers that are owned by these billionaires who clearly have an interest, who don't live here, clearly have an interest in pushing a certain narrative and bad news sales and all this stuff. Um, but they're not state controlled to the extent mm. of the of China. Um like yeah. you don't go like look at all the people who've been slagging off Boris Johnson recently. You're not going to start seeing them going missing either. No, you're like, not. Whereas in China, if you've tried talking talking grease about one of the uh, one of the people in power there, you just end up. Well, who was it? Who the Chinese tennis player who yeah. came out yeah, against yeah. and say she'd been she'd been sexually assaulted and hasn't been seen since? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, it's madness, isn't it? It's madness. It's this uh, question. Who's been the worst prime minister and why? Sam, what do you think? Of all time? Yep. Of all time? Oh. Well, I mean, like, in recent memory, obviously, like... Also, living that, so my lifetime. Yeah, don't do, like... Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be in your lifetime. It's going to go back to, like... Um, let's go post-war. Post-war. Ooh. Um, I mean, there's been loads, haven't there? Can you come back to me? Okay, Liam... <laughs> Yeah, that, with the post-war thing, it's a tricky question, that because I don't actually know that much about that many different prime ministers. Obviously, you know the big ones, like your Churchills, your Attlees, your Margaret Thatchers and that. Well, just maybe well, go for the ones in your living memory, then. In your living memory. Um, I think Tony Blair's got to be up there, purely because of the war crimes, really. <clears throat> Apparently, weirdly enough, I was speaking to um, a few people who... I mean, I was only a kid when Tony Blair was in, but... A lot of people said that at the start, when Tony Blair first got in, that life was looking decent. It looked like they were going to be a really good government. And then the whole, yeah, the whole uh, weapons of mass destruction scandal happened. And after that, it was just just nuts. So I'd have to go him. Boris Johnson's been proper bad. I know you said before about Theresa May, but Boris Johnson's been absolutely shocking. Mate. I think if May was in now, I mean, I, I, I think May I don't think May was suited to be a prime minister in the first place. She's doing phenomenal for the back benches, I think. Yeah. I was watching um, something about her recently, and I, she was like standing up in uh, in Parliament and like saying all this stuff, like proper laying it on thick on the government. I was like, where was this like level of commitment and like fight and a bit of attitude to when you were when you were prime minister? Obviously, I'm she's not just been, but yeah, like when when you see a leader, regardless of government or not, you want to see a bit of summit about them. And she's been showing more about her now than she ever did when she was in charge. So it's a shame with that. But yeah, for me, yeah, it's yeah. toss up between Tony Blair. Gordon Brown was terrible because he flogged all our gold reserves and basically during the uh, the whole banking crisis worldwide, he just fucked it up even more by selling everything that we owned, basically. So you'd have to have them too. And then for me, I'd have to go Bojo as well. I'd have to just because he's just so incompetent. And I feel like the sleaze now with the, the current Conservative government is worse than I've ever known it in my life. Obviously, it will have always happened, but it's uh, far worse now than it's ever been in my life. So... Toss up between them three, really. I can't really pick. I'm going 
Theresa May, great MP, great um, minister, but terrible prime minister. I, I apologise, I've got a mouthful of pizza at the moment, but a bit of ASMR for you. So it's, it's the authenticity that you don't get on the Yeah, podcast. mate, it is, it is. You don't get this on Joe Rogan, do you? Um, you might actually. You probably. I mean, I think Elon Musk smoked a spliff on his episode. Yeah, that's, that's why I like, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, Theresa May, in terms of how to manage a country badly, Theresa May has to be, and how to manage politically badly, lost a Conservative Party majority, made pretty much no progress with EU negotiations, managed to leave the country just as divided as when she started. Um, you can't you can't really say anything good about a terrible public communicator. Yeah. terrible in the media, terrible at dealing with her own ministers, her own government and MPs. Um, and I, well, I just remember... Corbyn as well, didn't she? Do you remember when she sent... Who did she send? She just full-on bottled it. She was meant to go on TV and... Amber Rudd to do a general election debate just yeah. days after her own dad had died. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be fair, she was pretty shocking. Yeah, losing the majority to Corbyn has got to be highly embarrassing for her, surely. Yeah, mm. yeah I'm going... May or go way back to like Wilson, but no, I think a living memory has to be May. Mm. Um, I think Bojo's done shit recently, but that's to the point that you said, Connie, you said that May left the country as divided as when she found it. And I think for at least a year of Johnson's premiership, he was doing quite good at uniting some parts of the country. I know. In, ter- yeah, in terms of electoral politics, in terms of electoral politics, Boris Johnson has done miles better than Theresa May. He increasing his majority. Uh, but yeah, and then, but then you look at what he's done recently and a sleaze surrounding the party. Mm. Yeah, That's like, got to play. This question is quite a loaded question. What do you mean by who's the worst in terms of performances with statistics? Like, like you just said, May losing a majority. Boris got a massive majority. In terms of like personal career, there he's obviously done better than her. But if we're asking on opinions, who do I think is the worst, as in who do I dislike the most, I would pick her, like like you just said, Theresa May did nothing for... Yeah, oh, it, you know, it, it depends on the metric. It depends yeah, on the metric. Yeah, she did literally nothing, and that's like, you are right. She, the, the country was a lot more, was just as divided as it was when she got in, and she did not achieve anything. So in terms of doing nothing, she is the worst. But in my opinion, did I hate her more than I hate Boris Johnson? No. no. Yeah, neither. Neither. But there we go. That's what it is. Um, so what we've got who's been the worst prime minister and why we just answered that um, oh what's this one this is the last one I think um, do any of you want a career in politics if not why not Sam you're working in politics at the moment what do you think well I don't want to do front facing I don't want to ever be an MP um, but I, I, I don't know I quite like the idea of going to civil service in some capacity Nice, nice. I want to do what I'm doing now for much longer. Yeah, fair enough. Liam, what about you, mate? No. Yep, probably. The, uh, it depends in politics. Political media, potentially. Yeah. Um, but not in terms... If, if you think of politics in the traditional sense, uh, sense rather, as in Westminster, um, absolutely not. No, no. Um, I couldn't think of anything worse than being an MP. Yeah, I, 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 I hate it. Um so yeah, June, we'll move on to June 2021. Thank you for all your, everyone who submitted questions because they were some of them really interesting, to be fair. Sorry if I missed any of them, um, but I hope we got through most of them. 
Anyway, June 2021, easing of lockdown is delayed, as we mentioned already. So that was fun. Uh, but also on that same night, uh, we recorded the episode that we did with the famous Pussyman Dan, also known as Dan Sharp. Um, so let's play one of my favourite clips from that episode now for you. There's no way in a million years that I even want people like the like the massive pro-lockdowners that feel brave enough to come out. I don't want them in the pub anyway, because they'll just be sitting there fucking, this hand sanitizer's bottle's not full. Did he, <laughs> he's over there not wearing a mask on his feet. Where's the visor? And it's just like, fuck off, mate. Like, you're here to drink and have fun. If you're going like, to be like that, just go. Yeah. And I'd rather, like, the pubs just be full of people that are actually, like, normal. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, don't yeah. Want, I don't want these people socialising me. I don't like them. I don't care for them. But I don't see them again. Great. But I don't... The opposite. I don't want them to come out of the house. Yeah, I want yeah. them to stay in. Because <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want them in our, in our like, yeah. in our fun spaces. Yeah, the yeah. pub's meant to be a fun place. I, I can't be asked. You know, going there and getting reminded about hand sanitizer and track and trace every fucking two minutes is not what I go for. Like, and, and if they want to be like that, just do it at home. Just do it at home on your own. Have, yeah. a, have a bloody role-playing night with, with with your wife. Get her in a fucking nurse's uniform and clap for us. And I don't know. <laughs> but... So that was Dan Sharp telling us about how he hopes pro-lockdowners can dress their wife up in a nurse's uniform and clap for them one of the best quotes that have come out of any of our episodes, I think. Um, we also saw in June 2021 the Chesham and Amersham by-election, which produced a victory for the Lib Dems in a shock turn. Uh, they they took the seat from the Conservative Party, um, which I thought was, you know, was quite quite the coup, wasn't it? There was a video of them as well, of um, them smashing the blue wall, wasn't it? It was... They, oh, they, God. Yeah, it was quite a little PR... Stunt, that's such but, a lib de- such a lib den thing to do. Well, they've made some good inroads in the by elections this year, haven't they? Like two seats. Still, still some some inroads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said they've, some. They made a slight <laughs> footpath. That's it. Yeah, maybe maybe a bridal way, but um, <laughs> bridal way out of push. Yeah, yeah. But um, to sum up the fortunes of the lib dems this year, I, I have uh, in- solicited the thoughts of uh, one of my friends. For, for a few years now, but he also stood for the Lib Dems in the local elections. Uh, it's Andrew Pegg to tell us how the Lib Dems have got on in 2021. Brilliant. So um, from a Liberal Democrat perspective, uh, it's been a really positive year for us. Um, we've made gains in, in both council seats uh, and parliamentary seats this year, um, which is something that no other party has done. Um, obviously, there was the Cheshire and Amersham by-election, um, parliamentary by-election in, in, in June. Um, and in, in, in that one, we overturned a massive Conservative majority there. Um, I don't think anybody gave the Liberal Democrats a hope of winning that, that, that parliamentary seat um, when the by-election was announced. Um, the majority, the Conservative majority, was just too big. Um, they, they didn't think that uh, it could be overturned so easily, but um, managed to do it. And um, we got a massive boost in, in opinion polls um, because of that. Um, and then again, whilst, whilst we were still kind of reveling in the success of that one, um, we had another parliamentary by-election in North Shropshire, 
Um, and it was a very similar result. Massive Tory majority and Liberal Democrats overturned it uh, quite comfortably as well. Um, both of them kind of returning uh, a Lib Dem majority in, in the thousands. Um, and this kind of showed us that, you know, Liberal Democrats can, can take votes off the Conservatives in a way that Labour can't. Um, it's less of a jump for disillusioned Conservative voters to vote for Liberal Democrats rather than to, to make that jump all the way to voting for Labour. Um, so we can do a, a job as Liberal Democrats in some of those constituencies where um, those sorts of people can be found. Um, and it also showed us that, you know, Liberal Democrats do a really good job of winning by-elections. I mean, um, to my knowledge, uh, Lib Dems gave Labour a free run in the Bexley and Sidcup by-election. Um to my knowledge, we didn't put any party resources into that. We fielded a candidate because obviously believe that everybody should be given the opportunity to vote with them if, if they want to. Um, I'm sure that's a, a view shared by all parties, to be honest. Um, but, you know, Labour didn't even come close to winning Bexley and Sidcup um, in, in that by-election there. So it really shows that... that you know, there's a lot of people out there who would vote for the Liberal Democrats if they thought that they could win, which is something that um, Lib Dems have, have been struggling to break through on for, you know, since since the party's creation. Um, there's a lot of people out there who who would vote for us, um, but don't because they think it's it, it, it's a two party system. Um, and this year has really shown us that Liberal Democrats really do have a place in British politics. Um, so, like the biggest example of that would be that throughout COVID um, and the monotony of this global pandemic, uh, the Lib Dems are really providing the real opposition uh, to the Conservatives here on, on uh, throughout the throughout the pandemic. So. We've seen Labour way too often voting with the with the Tories um, for overly authoritarian measures such as kind of vaccine passports um, and kind of strict lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, and Lib Dems, to, to my knowledge, um, they received a, a bit of a boost in the opinion poll ratings as well when. Um, when they started talking about truly liberal ideas. And that is something that I think um, going into 2022, we, uh, the Lib Dem should definitely do more of, is sticking to our truly liberal ideas, protecting people's civil liberties. That is what the party's here for. Um, the party is here to promote liberalism in this country uh, and to, to, to try and tackle authoritarianism, which we can see uh, <laughs> with Boris Johnson. Um, he likes to take control and everything comes out of Westminster, everything goes from him. Um, so that is, that's what the Liberal Democrats have kind of achieved this year. Um, they've really found their place in British politics. Um, they've, they've won parliamentary by-elections. Um, they've won council seats up and down the country. Um, and yeah, it's been a really positive year for the Lib Dems. Um, and really, we just got to do more of the same in, in 2022.
So that was Andrew Pegg. Thank you very much for that, mate. Um, summing up what's been, I think, by his account, a very decent year for the Lib Dems. Um, but yeah, anyway, also elsewhere in June, in more juicy news, we're getting back into the sirloin steak of the news. Matt Hancock's extramarital affair is revealed. And what I want to know is, Sam, how much would I have to pay you to shag Matt Hancock? <laughs> he took his headphones off and walked away from his screen. He's off. Oh, he's back. No price. <laughs> no, no money. No money's worth. No, 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 no. <laughs> no price. No There's nothing anywhere. There's nothing that you could offer me that would make me do that. Oh dear. Oh dear. How much would it cost you to shag Matt Hargock? Oh, in my current financial situation, <laughs> five quid. Um, nah, a couple of like, pints of Guinness. About five, <laughs> like a five grand, I reckon. Five grand, <laughs> mate. I'm skinny. No, you're cheap, you. <laughs> Where are you living then? What to sleep with? My, how public would it end up? Uh, uh, this is a, this is the situation. Um, would it end on the front front of the sun? Like, okay, right. I'll give you two scenarios. Girl. I'll give you two scenarios. How much would you pay for it to shag him and no one ever knows about it? How much would you have to get paid to shag him and it's plastered all over the media? I'd want I'd want to be, at least be able to buy a gaff somewhere for for, for like for, so, for what, Black, so Black pulls out like a hundred quid. <laughs> 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 yeah, sleeping uh, in the tent, mate. I wouldn't buy a house in Blackpool, to be fair. Um, Who would? I'd, I'd, want, I'd want like a few hundred grand um, to, to set up a gaff somewhere. For it to be public, oh, you'd want, I'd want like life-changing money. You'd want like a few mils so you could just go and like hide in the yeah. Caribbean and hope that no one ever recognised you. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. On the topic of Matt Hancock, he was described by Dominic Cummings as fucking hopeless in a committee hearing in June 2021. Well, in, in text, actually, that were revealed between him and Boris Johnson, wasn't it? Um, that was a good month for Matt Hancock. How did he manage to to pull two women at once? This is the question, surely. This is some, the big... because some people are attracted to power. How has Boris Johnson had the amount of wives, extramarital affairs, and children that he has had? This is true. Because some true. people find a, tra- a power attractive. This is true. This is very true. Moving on to July, July twenty twenty one. Um, we had Euros fume. It's a great month, this to be fair. Fantastic uh, month for football, fantastic except the bit month. where we where we didn't win. Um, <laughs> but Euros yeah. related fume over the song Ten German Bombers." Um, and any anything related. To I, I think I think anyone who thinks they're going to stop that chart being sung is there were ten <laughs> German bombers. <laughs> um, but then also on the more serious side, we did see racial abuse of England players such uh, Jane Sancho, Marcus Rashford, and Bako Saka after they missed penalties. And the football community did try and think of ways to clamp down on this. How can we actually? What's going to be the most effective thing in clamping down on this social media abuse? What do you think, Liam? Um, the way to do it would be have like a. I mean, these tech companies, how much money have they got? They'd easily be able to do something like this. Brilliant. Every time that someone types the N-word, for example, before it, before you even get the opportunity to post it, your account just is blocked. 
Yeah, yeah. Great I think I think though, I think that's very fair as well because you post anything about uh, COVID or anything like that on social media, and it get immediately comes up with a thing that's like find out the latest information about COVID. Exactly. So so it's, it's, it's clearly people. like a, an automated algorithm thing. Um, well, not algorithm, but it's an automated thing. Um, so why can't they do the same? The argu- I mean, there is the argument with the Edward. A lot of people, a lot of the black community now embrace that word. So that would like, be, that, that be the that would be the culture argument. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You're, play, you're playing devils. You're playing devils advocate. I agree with that. But I reckon if you asked the black community in general, especially these football players, would That's you more be, would you be happy with not using the N word on online to stop everyone who's black facing racial abuse? I'm pretty sure yeah. that nine percent of them would say, yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. And you always get that. You always get the odd person who's like, oh well, we shouldn't have to censor what they say to stop it. What? What is the answer then? That there's yeah, got to yeah. be an answer somewhere of how to stop this from happening. People say that you want to put photo ID in, and so I don't agree with that. No, that's too. Tech companies, yeah. that's too far, yeah. tech companies have already been known for selling our data worldwide to other firms and monitoring stuff like that. Imagine if they had everyone's passports and driving licenses. It just yeah. that that for me is is just terrifying. So I I think that's a bad idea. The way for me would be yeah algorithms that every time there's like a race racial slur typed before you've even press post your account just gets, just gets removed yeah I think that's fair I think that's fair um, July 2021 also saw Freedom Day in England did you go clubbing where did you go clubbing first can you remember I didn't go clubbing I haven't been clubbing because you're too old Sam where have you been clubbing have you been out like proper I went to a couple I went to a couple of nights in London and Guildford but I haven't a lot of my two I just covered as an appeal yeah, I don't, to be fair I don't I went out in Freshers Week and I felt like way old you know what I mean like way too old I just go yeah. to bars and that me to be honest I'd much rather, I'd much rather stay at a bar to like 2 o'clock 3 o'clock yeah rather than go clubbing yeah 100% mate 100% but yeah that was freedom I remember I remember being walking into a shop the next day without a mask on and just being like <laughs> yeah fuck all of you <laughs> like you can't tell me what's are there loads of people where you are wearing masks on the street mm. yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, July also saw the pingdemic in England, um, where basically everyone was getting pinged by the NHS app. Um, I was, I didn't, I didn't have the being app. Told, yeah, well, I didn't because I didn't have the NHS app to start with because I'm not a dickhead. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that was a mad time. That wasn't it? I, I I remember I actually got a text saying, oh, I've been in a venue and I had to self-isolate, even though I intentionally hadn't checked into any venues yeah, yeah, yeah. for... There are a few like, like that. Six months at least. So I think they were just sending these people to get them to take tests. And- well, there, was, there were stories of people like getting them, re- receiving them through walls. Yeah. Like, they yeah. sent a number, but it just ping off and go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. It, honestly, absolutely mental. Um, had a weird time, wasn't it, though? Um, and on a lighter note, though, Tommy Robinson in July lost a high court legal battle to a Syrian schoolboy uh, and he had to pay him damages for libel. Can anyone tell me how much he had to pay him? Was it 100 grand? It was 100 grand, yeah. Tommy Robinson had to fork out 100 grand for a family uh, of this Syrian schoolboy who he posted basically false tweets about on social media. I think how it happened was the, the lad had been posted on social media as someone who was getting bullied. He was getting bullied, like racially abused by um, like these white kids at his school. Tommy Robinson waded in on this and claimed baselessly that the Syrian schoolboy had held a boy at knife point and had been 
threatening to like sexually assault some of the girls at his school, which was complete bollocks. Um, and yeah, the prick ended up with egg on his face. So um, that was a little bit of sweet justice there. Quite enjoyed that. Um, moving on to August 2021. The Taliban take over in Afghanistan. Did this prove that Western intervention was completely pointless? What do we think? In a word. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can I evaluate it or not? Go for it. The Western interview, the whole, the question there, right, this might sound confusing to some listeners though. If you ask about did Western intervention help, people are like, well, why did we pull out? Because at one point it was all right in Afghanistan. By Western intervention not helping, I am talking about at its absolute root in 1979 when the Yanks went in with the dicks out to try and fight the Soviets. That's what I'm on about with Western intervention, not the rest of it. Fair enough, fair enough. Sam, what was your uh, what was your sort of reaction to the um, the Taliban taking over in Afghanistan? Uh, it was a complete failure of, well, yeah, like I said, our Western intervention. I'm not going to go quite as far back as Liam's talking, <laughs> which is a whole history lesson in itself. Great documentary on Netflix, though, but yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was handled in a horrendous manner, even down to Biden saying, well, it wasn't our deal with the Taliban it was Trump's deal with the Taliban but whatever there was clear failed shortcomings of this you gave the Taliban which clearly hadn't gone away you gave them time scales of when they were going to be gone so all the Taliban then has to do is sit back wait till August it's like all right sweet cool <laughs> now we can start advancing again there wasn't any they cut it got to the point where there was sustain there was a lack of uh purpose anymore there was like I can understand they've been there for so long they lost so many lives and clearly wasn't working but instead of trying to reevaluate and make sure that the afghan army was up to what it was facing there was a complete lack of education in how they're going to deal with this and just basically just left yeah and left yeah. them all left thousands of well, millions of people just to yeah i'm yeah, on top definitely. of that the, the spies as well that the american spies they didn't even end up bailing them out they left them there I'm yeah on top of that. and the translators what? and all these people yeah, worst of all, the, the worst thing about it was when they when they found all the Black Hawks and all the rest of it that they'd sold, that they'd left there, all the mad military equipment, they found the database full of every single, the name of every single person to help them. So the Taliban basically just had a hit list. Yeah, yeah. absolutely horrendous yeah. withdrawal um, from, from Afghanistan. And it's had really far-reached consequences for the Afghan people. It, it's, it's horrendous. It's completely immoral the way we've done it. Uh, as as the West, because you know you're not you're not kicking does other parts playing this. Um, it, yeah, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous, um, and something that will be looked back upon in history for for years to come. And people will look at it and go, "What the fuck?" Um, I think the, the episode that we did on this is actually my favourite one that we've all done. Yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to that. I don't know which one it is. Probably, I don't know August. Maybe like one of the thirtieth or something like that maybe it's that, that was my favourite one that we've done I yeah think that it's a good one, one. it's a good one it was, about, it was Plymouth shooting is that the next thing you're going to say as well this is the next thing yeah we had the Plymouth shooting on this episode as well um, yeah which sparked a whole debate on whether incels are terrorists I think ultimately the answer is yes um, yeah absolutely that, that was quite shocking though to be fair I remember seeing that and thinking 
you know, fucking hell. It's this is this is very close to home. We like to think of ourselves as somewhere who doesn't experience shootings, and I suppose you know not as often as our transatlantic cousins. But we also had in August a lawsuit filed against Prince Andrew, officially filed against Prince Andrew as well for being a paedophile. And I just like to remind <laughs> people that taxpayers' money is being used to defend this man. The, the royal family are defending this man using taxpayers' money. We are defending a paedophile. Just hand him over. Just hand him yeah. over. Hand the cunt over. The, oh, God, yeah. Just do it. I don't care what it's for your reputation. It's your reputation against someone in your ranks being a, a paedophile. Have you not seen what their, their defence is as well? I was reading about this the other day. No, go on. They're, they're basically trying to get him out of it on a technicality. They're not even deny. They're not even the, the solicitor they've got in or the lawyer. He's not even trying to deny it happened. They're basically trying to say that the way that the prosecution are trying to get him is incorrect, and they're trying to get him on a technicality. If that just doesn't scream, he that's is, mental. He, he is yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, You just be like, go over there and just say that you didn't do it, and just tell him. But yeah. they're trying to get it out of it on a technicality. That's mad. Absolutely mad. Good. That is very, very mad. Uh... Imagine defending a paedophile. Imagine actually being a defence lawyer for a single... Like, if I was a defence lawyer, right, paedophiles, they'd be off limits. You're not, it's you're a moral job, isn't it? It's an immoral job, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the fact that everyone's got a right to a defence, but paedophiles are on another level, mate. They yeah, they don't. They don't. Um, so, anyway, to, to sum up, basically, I wanted to get... You might have already noticed we've had Benjamin Smith for the Green Party already. We've had Andrew Pegg for the Lib Dems. And to sum up the year uh, that the Labour Party have had, I have uh, managed to enlist George Aylett to sum up the fortunes of the Labour Party for us from 2021. So let's hear from him. I was travelling from the southwest to Leeds today and my trains are about five to six hours long and I had to sit on the floor of the train for a big chunk of my journey. So I just want to say on the record now that the railways should be renationalised and that the next election campaign, Labour should make a big deal about this because I'm sure the people who had to sit on the floor of these trains would be extremely grateful. So I want to see that front and centre of Labour's next manifesto. When it comes to 2021 for Labour, you know, when you look at the electoral performances of Labour under Starmer, in the 2021 local elections, over 300 councillors were lost. Labour lost Hartlepool, almost lost Batlin's Spen, and despite paying a lot of money to cover local papers with Labour adverts and having the deputy leader campaigning on election day, Labour went from second to third in North Shropshire and allow the Lib Dems to pick up the anti-Tory votes. So in terms of electoral performances, it hasn't been the best. And indeed polling throughout the year, at one point, Labour and the Starmer were only ahead in five out of 200 polls. But it seems the biggest scandal to impact the Tory since 2010 has shifted public attitude. So it looks like Labour ending the year quite well, or at the very least the Conservatives ending their year very, very badly. So what Labour needs to do now is show effective opposition to the Tories. Keir Starmer needs to say we support the government a lot less and make sure that the fallout of the sleazy handling of the Owen Paterson case and the Christmas parties are forever linked with Boris Johnson's name. Because that has really damaged him personally. So Labour really needs to hammer that home consistently. 
Secondly, divided parties don't win elections, or they arguably don't win elections. So the factional war against the left needs to stop, and the leadership should work with the left to beat the Tories. And also, the whip must be restored to Jeremy Corbyn as soon as possible. That move alone would help a lot when it comes to party unity. Thirdly, Starmer has lost a lot of trust with LGBT plus voters over the handling of transphobia in the party. So what he needs to do is work with LGBT plus groups to tackle transphobia, because at the end of the day, his silence has been deafening. And there's a lot more that Labour need to do to tackle transphobia. And finally, what Labour needs to do is show a positive and optimistic alternative platform to the Tories, because being anti-Tory is not enough. In the 2015 general election, Labour sort of took the stance of, we are not the Tories, and they didn't win. What you need to do is you show how policies can meaningfully make people's lives better. For example, prioritising renationalising essential services in response to the fuel crisis, and indeed the awful train journey that I was on today that millions of commuters face very regularly. Make the case against privatisation and talk about the failures of privatisation over the last few decades. Scrapping tuition fees to deliver free education and show that you're actually listening to young people. Implementing meaningful policies to deal with the climate emergency with a Green New Deal, as the climate emergency is the greatest threat to humanity. And responding to the pandemic, to a 15% pay increase for NHS workers, a £15 minimum wage, and indeed, significantly more funding for the NHS. And quite frankly, if Keir Starmer won't do it, then somebody else should. I've long held the opinion that there should be a challenge to Keir Starmer for Labour leadership because he broke his 10 pledges. He should seek a new mandate and I think candidates such as Dawn Butler or Emily Thornbury would be able to unite the party, offer an optimistic alternative to the Tories and indeed provide effective opposition. I think that would be really important to have a new leader to do that but at the end of the day if Starmer should stay on as leader he needs to unite Labour, take on the Tories and provide an alternative and if he won't and someone else should. There we go, that was George Aylett. Thank you very much uh, for him, for giving up his time to uh, give a little clip to us. Very anti-Starmer um, is, is George. And to be fair, that might be one of the few things I agree with him on. Um, but yeah, there we go. Thank you very much, George, anyway. Uh, moving on to September 2021. Panic buying of fuel. It's not particularly political, but it kind of is. Oh, God. Do you remember this? People queuing outside yeah, just... BP to get fuel. Because they'd asked, because a document was leaked saying some some places in the southeast are going to start struck, having facing slight fuel shortages. Then the whole country panics and it's just gone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Lost the fucking plot. As always. As always. As we always yeah. do. Uh, that was kind of weird. I don't really have anything really to say on that. I just, it was a big moment. Um, and that's, but that's what? what then whole the whole HGV shortage after that as well. And then it was, and then that led to no pork pie, no, sorry, no uh, pigs and blankets or turkeys at Christmas. Oh, don't worry, mate. I had enough turkeys and pigs yeah. and blankets at Christmas. Don't you worry about that. But yeah, that was a whole thing. Um, also in September, Wayne Cousins, the murderer of Sarah Everett, was sentenced to life. Liam, what punishment would you have chosen for Wayne Cousins? Life. You'd have chosen life. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I don't agree with the death penalty, do I? Fair enough. Uh, Sam. Yeah, life. 
Okay. Um, nothing less. Nothing. Sorry. Yeah, I'd, nothing have, less. I'd have. I'd have strung him up by his ankles in a town centre. Charged. Okay. Charged a pound to everyone who wanted to hit him with a bat. So a pound per hit. All the money gets donated to um, charities helping like female sufferers of sexual offences, sexual harassment, all of that kind of thing, and you know victims of rape. But one pound a hit, queue up, pay your money, all going to a good cause, and you get to batter a cunt. So <laughs> there we are. You can tell you put some thought in that one. I, you may. This is this is what this is why I, this is why I put the, what punishment would you have chosen? Yeah. <laughs> um, when I mean life, I mean actual life. Though he should, yeah, 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 no yeah. like parole or no. Yeah, like, that's what he got. That's what he got though, wasn't it? There's literally yeah, he he's did, not yeah, coming he out. Got life with no bail or whatever. Mm. Life with no chance of like yeah mm. ever coming out again. Good. September, September, September. We also saw Insulate Britain launch their roadblock protests. I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Craig for Insulate Britain for this podcast. He kind of gave up his time. Um, so yeah, ironically, ironically, see, what, the- see what he's got to say and he answers to the questions that I. Um, I pose to him. It obviously got a lot of media attention, got a lot of negative criticism as well from a lot of people. What would you say to people who potentially argue that your your protest went went too far? Well, unfortunately, we've been placed in this predicament by thirty years plus of, of inaction, and the, the establishment kind of circling the wagons to not tell us the complete unvarnished truth. Um, I don't want to spout lots of scientific papers at you now, but there's universal consensus that what we do over the coming three, four years is going to determine the futures that not only you guys have, the younger generation, but possibly the next hundred or so generations on this planet. Um, the politicians have... I think, vested interests to try and retain power in their countries. They, they all seem unwilling around the world, really, to grasp, grasp the nettle here and, and put through policies that are going to actually make a big difference. Right? That, that means they're kind of committing to cut our carbon footprint by 2% a year over the next 14 years. But they're absolutely, totally unwilling to have any short-term targets. I'm, I'm 55. I've, I've lived a good life, and I think that the next generation should have the opportunities that I've had. We're just this, the fire alarm in this. We're pointing out that what they're doing on pretty much every single aspect is insufficient, right? You know, they announced a heat building strategy about a month ago now, which has about 1% of the, of the necessary funding. So it's come down to us, 200 ordinary people. You know, I build eco-homes, right? I don't want to be getting myself locked up and doing this, this crap. I just want the government to do it. That's what they're paid to do. But if we don't, then who will? So we've stepped up. We hate blocking roads, but it's all about getting the public's attention, getting the media coverage. We've had 100-plus TV interviews. We've had 270 articles in national newspapers. You know, it's, it's a no-brainer on so many levels, right? You've probably heard some of these stats. It creates half a million new jobs around the country. It stops 8,500 people dying of winter fuel poverty every winter. That's someone every 15 minutes. Why we're the sixth richest country in the world. That's scandalous, isn't it? We hope that the more attention we get, more people will join us. 
and we're finding that to be the case over the last few weeks. Our numbers are swelling. Um, and, and kind of, although we're on a hiatus at the moment, it is not the end of Insulate Britain. We're going to be back in the springtime and we're going to be bigger and louder and we're just going to keep banging the drum until we get the government to act. What, you mentioned it briefly there, but are you a sort of believer in the fact that all publicity is good publicity? And is, is that why potentially you weren't too fussed about some of the negative press you were getting? Because ultimately, as you said, it was getting you in the headlines and getting your agenda um, into sort of the mainstream news. Yeah, I mean, any, any interview is a good interview. Um, you just have to be careful to, to put interviewers right when they come up with misleading or just blatantly false um, stories. You know, we've never blocked an ambulance, right? Never. It's just not happened. There was one ambulance that was actually empty um, where the guy was coming through on his blue lights and we always move out of the way. We keep a lane where we can just move out of the way for ambulances, right? As well, do you feel like you sort of won the hearts and minds of of the average sort of Joe blogs on the street? Because you mentioned that obviously a lot of people were talking about it um, and it did bring the agenda, like I say, to to the top of sort of news. A lot of people were talking about it for quite a lot of time and people now, if they didn't before, now do know about the issue. Um but to what extent do you feel that people are sort of more sympathetic to your cause? Do you see how potentially that some of the methods that you use might have actually caused people to go the other way and actually be sort of more adversarial and have more animosity to your cause when actually if you, if maybe potentially protests were a bit more neutral, might not have got you as much media coverage, but might well have won more people over. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fair point. Luckily we're not courting popularity. Um, I don't think our popularity has grown during the course of the, you know, we were on the road for about eight weeks, right? Yeah. Yep. I think during that time, um, after an initial, I think there was a, an initial kind of boost in our popularity quite early on when people got the gig. Um, but then we were beaten down by the right-wing media for, for the following seven, eight weeks. Mm. Um I don't think our popularity moved. I think our popularity is somewhere in the teens. If you look at whether people agree with our cause, then the, the support is in the 70s. Yeah. And they say, well, you know, go and lobby outside number 10. Yeah, we've done that. Well, you know, these politicians, um, you know, what about the Department of Energy? Yeah, we've done that, right? <laughs> you know, all the things that people accuse us of not having done, we've tried them. But unless you disrupt, you don't get the publicity. It's just a method of grabbing the public's attention and, the, and really the media's attention. The media are key in this. And I explained that, listen, this is needs must. We don't want to block roads, but there is no other way of doing this. Right? Mm. This can be over if you guys join us. You know, we're hoping next time people are going to get out of their cars and come and join us. Because how, how, likely critical... do you think, how likely do you think that is? Well, we know there's a critical number that will put pressure on the government because, you know, in other countries around the world... Over, over the last few decades, there are examples of this kind of non-violent civil resistance working. We're not going away. We can't afford to. I'm petrified of being put in prison for a month or two, but I'm way more petrified about losing you know, society and everything I love. Um, what would you say to, to people who potentially you know, have, have seen, obviously, your protests, maybe weren't won over by them? What would you say directly address those, those people who, who sort of listen to us and... Yeah, need convincing, yeah. I guess. 
um, firstly, I'd apologise for all the shit that we've caused. You know, my generation and older generations, I'd love you to get involved. Um, we do have a lot of youngsters who are getting involved and stepping up now. Uh, it is your future. And once we get a win, it's like a domino effect. So I, I would say to anyone your age, please come and join us, right? It, it, it will be massive. So that was Craig from Inchelate Britain. Um, the main, the main thing I got, the main thing I got from his interview, is that actually the 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 aims of Inchelate Britain are it's to piss something. everyone off. There what? It's to piss everyone off. <laughs> well, they did piss everyone off. No, but uh, no, the the actual goal of insulating homes makes sense from an, from an environmental point of view, um, and from an economic point of view, even it makes sense. But the methods I still don't agree with. Yeah, but I get, I get the whole point where he was saying, "This is what gets us publicity. This is this is what works." And what success if we go and sit, if we go and sit, he was saying, you know, if we go and sit outside Parliament um, and lobby MPs, that's not going to get as much publicity. If you block a national road, big main roads, it's going to get you in the news, rightly or wrongly. And it comes back to the whole thing, I guess, where you know, all publicity is good publicity. Um, whether you agree with that or not, I feel like the Interstate Britain approach is that actually all publicity is good publicity because regardless of whether people like them or not, it's going to get their aims and their message out there. It might not contribute to them being yeah, but... more viewed favourably flav- <laughs> by the public. Yeah. But I think ultimately you can't think they're gonna, if, if, they're if, their, to if get... their aim is to get publicity, I'm not defending how they yeah. did it at all. But if their aim is to get publicity, it worked, didn't it? Well, people are just going to think, oh yeah, they had a point what they were saying, but they were all just cocks. Yeah, that's that's what I said. This is what we this is what we talk about in in my interview with him. But he did kind of skirt around the questions slightly in terms of me thinking, you know, <laughs> he, had he, he said, you know, that's he defended he... his methods on the basis that they get publicity. And if that's the main goal for them, then it works. They're doing a great uh, job. Okay, but surely but you would have thought that he probably got more of his point across in that short segment, short interview they had with you, than they get from sitting in a road, gluing themselves to the road, yeah, but holding but, a but, banner. But, but they're not, but, they're yeah, not, true, they're not project, they're, they're projecting the one message saying insulate Bridgeton, but they're not true. offering any suggestions or any support true, or any true, true. But, but, but right listen to this would I would he have got the interview would I have bothered interviewing in, as someone from Inchelate Britain if they weren't controversial and weren't in the news and how did they get in the news through doing something that was controversial right so so I like I say I, I don't agree with the methods but I I understand the reasoning behind it I don't think it was clever I don't think it was particularly um effective in winning the public over but ultimately people were talking about it and they were mainly admittedly talking about how they were dickheads but some people from that would have been talking about the message and the aims that these people have even a even a small minority and when newspapers run articles on them they can start it with insulate britain are absolute dicks or worse to that effect but they also then have to go on to explain what their actual aims are mostly so it's getting them publicity and like i say i don't think it's the right way to go about it but if their only aim is to raise awareness for their cause that they it's it's a good way to do it and often the most controversial things are ones 
you know, the, of, often the most effective, sorry, the most effective protest movements are ones that cause controversy and ones that cause, you know, a big sort of public media storm, I think. So I can understand why they've adopted the tactic. I don't think it's going to win much of the public round, but even by getting some, uh, even 1% of the people who read about them, if they come over to their side, they'll see that as a victory. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it makes sense. Tactically, it makes sense. I don't think it's right. Just like to throw that out there. Um, but when I was speaking to to Craig, he did. It, it, made, it made sense to me why they were doing it. I don't agree with it, but I, I can understand why they were doing it. I can. Um, but yeah, that was in Shape Britain who made headlines in September. Um, moving on to October 2021, the Conservative government removed the £20 increase to universal credit that had been put in place um, for the pandemic over like lockdown and things. Liam, uh, what would you describe the Tories as in one word for this move? Cons. Okay, <laughs> nice. Liam, uh, not Liam, Sam. In one word? Mm. <laughs> mm. Wrong. Wrong. Very wrong, very wrong. Because this twenty pound, Ill, Ill, Ill judged people. People don't understand that this twenty pound is uh, a lot of money for a lot of people. Twenty pound a week as well. It can be the difference between a, a week's worth of meals, even twenty pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy for the Conservatives to not have any sympathy with that because they're up in their ivory towers, not knowing what's going on in the world. Boris Johnson doesn't even know how much a loaf of bread costs. He probably doesn't. They asked him, he asked him how much a loaf of bread costs. He went, well, I could tell you how much a bottle of champagne costs. Yeah, but he can, you Tory well, bastard. Can. And, and that is why these people are just so out of touch because they go straight from the best colleges to the best schools as in Eton to then straight into MPs on stupid money. How the fuck are they supposed to know how Dave, his wife and his two kids who live in some pokey northern town can afford to feed the kids every week? Especially if something wrong happened, like say if Dave, for example, beats his wife up, she has to fuck off with the kids to put him up, put him up, and then they, she then can't afford to feed it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, man, it's absolutely mad. It is. No, 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 it is. It is. Um, yeah, it, that, that was just another chapter in the "Why the Tories are Bastards" series. Um, but I mean, this is going to sound slightly contradictory. Obviously, in October as well, um, we had the stabbing of Sir David Amos, who unfortunately died um, from being from his injuries, um, which was quite. It was sad, right? Because regardless of whether I say Tories, I think Tories are bastards, right? I have the right to say that Tories are bastards because we believe in free. I believe in freedom of speech, and we all do. Um, and people on the right have the right to say, "All oh, people on the left are bastards." Hey, they do. But ultimately, I'd never advocate violence against these people. I'd never say you should go out and harm someone for their political views, unless they're very extreme, like unless you're a Nazi, um, for instance, then, okay, fair enough. But conservatives aren't Nazis as much as they might like to be, people might brand them as such. And the, the stabbing of David Amos was actually, in my view, quite sad. And it was quite a sad representation of the way this country has gone in the sense that we are becoming, I think, a lot more intolerant. And I don't know what you guys think of that, but I think we're becoming a lot more intolerant. And ultimately you can agree, you can disagree with anyone until the cows come home. You can, you can, 
tell people that you think their views are horrible. You can, te- you, can, you can do that as much as you want. But the line has to be, we, we're, not a, we're a free country, we're a democracy. No one should lose their life for their political views. Simple as that. That's not a controversial opinion. No one should lose their life for expressing their political views. We live in a democracy where we should embrace the fact that we can hear a multitude of opinions from, from a variety of people and a variety of, uh, of angles. We should embrace that because there are so many countries that don't have it. And as someone who believes wholeheartedly in the principle of, of democracy, as I'm sure we all do, that the, the, the killing of David Amos wasn't just a killing of, of, a, good, of a decent man, Ultimately, he had a wife, he had kids. It was it was representative of an attack on democracy and something that I hold very important, and I'm sure we all do. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you have anything to add on that, Sam? Because obviously it was something that affected the Conservative Party very specifically. Um, no, I don't think it... I mean, it was kind of... It was really weird because I was like, well, what would it happen when, like, the news, when the news came in? And his office was directly below us so like the way we just knew we knew i I never met him but yeah it was kind of just a bit like oh yeah shit just quite serious obviously there's been attacks on mps before this i think it's like the first experience i ever had with any sort of terrorist or related incidents it's just a bit weird nothing that whole incident kind of got swept under the carpet so i still don't know much about it Uh, all i know is a guy the guy pled guilt pled not guilty who was who was the guy in the end was he like some He's like an Islamic extremist. I or... think there's so much confusion over what I think there's a I think there was a, a desire in the media to push terrorism, but I don't know if there's necessarily enough evidence to suggest that it was a, a terrorist incident. So I think the media then got confused themselves and then just kind of chose not really to touch it for a little That's bit. That's what I mean, because whenever stuff like this happens, the media usually like proper blow it up to portray like all people who are Muslims as like full-blown terrorists. Yeah, but there wasn't they would have like jumped at the opportunity if if this was like an Islamic extremist attack, but I've not seen anything about it. I just think it was, I think, I think the official, what it led to is kind of more, you know, it cut like a week before Angela Reda had been, got in trouble for saying like Tory scum um, yeah. and, and then not backtracking those comments. I think that's what it led far more into like a discussion around yeah. that rather than it being terrorist. I don't think it was, it must not have been a terrorist. Out of interest, what do you think about MPs saying derogatory phrases about other MPs? Do you think it's acceptable or not? I think you can attack an in, oh, maybe an individual. I think the brand so to, to I think Andrea was wrong not to retract her statement mm-hmm. when many people come out and said, "Look, that's pretty a step too far." You could I think it's what Connor said. You could disagree politically, but I would never shout. I would never shout that at a, an individual who I disagree with. I'd much rather have a discussion with them. Um, I think she probably thought it'd be get her own an applaud at the night, which it did, but I think. It, and resultingly, wasn't. I'm not, I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming her for the incident that happened with David Ayers. I think. She, I think he, the individual, planned to do that either way. But I just think it yeah, kind yeah. of sums it up in a certain way. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was the same sort of thing with the whole intolerance. What you were just saying, then, Connor. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was. It was a sad, a sad day. I think for democracy in this country. Mm. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, obviously, to to David Amos. Um, and yeah, hopefully that we don't see too many more of these attacks on our on our beliefs and our on our values. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving on, we had in October as well the COP twenty six conference, which ultimately was just a couple of weeks of pissing about of time. For, for MPs and leaders. I think it was a pretty big waste of time, considering big countries like China didn't really sign up to any of the main 
treaties that were proposed, unsurprisingly. Um, not much else can really be said about that, to be honest. We also did, like we said earlier, this was our favourite episode of the podcast uh, that we've done so far, well, me and Liam's anyway. We did the uh, episode with DJ Rick Sanchez, also known as Geordie. Um, this is probably my favourite episode of the year, and in that spirit, I'm going to play a little clip for you, my favourite clip for it, from it, where he talks about uh, his argument for legalising drugs. They're fighting over territory of who sells what in what area. And if you take the um, the drugs off these kids and you legalise it and people like me can then go to the shop and get it, the gangs, what are they really fighting for, bro? It don't make sense. Really and truly, they're fighting over drug territory. That's what it is, really, at the end of the day. And maybe the old one-two beef that happened 20 years ago, but... That's one way of stopping knife crime, but I feel like all the stuff they did before, like with the um, programs and the initiatives and all that, that's just a lot of bollocks, bro. Because it just goes in one year and comes out the other year, mate. These kids don't, they're not listening, bro. You have to. And also, as well, before I get into my next point, if you improve education as well in a certain area and you also give these kids more opportunities to do other stuff, then you get less knife crime. For example, like, I'm an anomaly in it. I fucking play cricket in my area and whatnot in it. So I'm an anomaly because I went out there to go seek it. But let's say now education was improved in this country to a point where you went to almost like the Americans. You go to school, you play for sports team, and then obviously you then get a scholarship to go uni and whatnot. That would then show the kids in the area, oh shit, if I just have a bit of talent and I work a bit hard, I can then go to uni, get a good job, and then go away from this knife crime. Because in England, all of that opportunity shit that I've just said there goes to kids that go to private school. And kids like me that go to state school, we get, it's like a sieve, we just fall through the sieve. You then realise these kids and then get distracted and then they go go outside and then some guy goes, yo, we saying, do you want to make some money? And then boom, bow, the ball starts rolling and these kids now start selling drugs and then after that, these kids start getting to gangs and start stabbing other, other ops because of territory and whatnot. And I feel like if the education system was improved and the system showed kids raw, you don't have to do gangs. You could play football or you could play cricket or you could be an artist or there's this workshop right here where we can teach you how to do, I don't know, become an electrician or something like that. You get less people doing all this crap. So there you go. That was, that was, that was eloquently put from, uh, from Geordie there Liam's mate from university um, go and check out Rick Sanchez DJ Rick Sanchez's stuff absolutely quality top notch um, and yeah really really good podcast guest so um, yeah yeah get involved with that we also had in October the boycott of nightclubs to protest against spiking there had been a little uptick in incidents of spiking around sort of end of September October and uh, women decided that enough was enough. Uh, and I think not just women, to be fair, a lot of people joined this support for this movement. Uh, and on one night in October, nightclubs were boycotted by everyone, pretty much. No one went to nightclubs, um, at least not that most people. It was mainly like a student-led movement, I think. Was it a Wednesday night as well? It was a Wednesday night, yeah. Sports um, night, sports night. Sports night indeed in Leeds. Um, sports societies all go out. So yeah, they didn't get to go out, which was obviously uh, a really important cause. And in that spirit, I spoke to my girlfriend, Danielle, on an episode. Uh, we discussed the nightclub boycott 
uh, and all its sort of implications and the wider debate as well around, you know, women being targeted by men and the issues that they face. Um, so I'm going to play a couple of clips from that for you because uh, I think it's important and we shouldn't forget these messages. Especially this week, like most of the girls I've spoken to just don't want to go out at the minute. I don't want to go out at the minute. Like I've never been spiked before, but I know a lot of people that have. And it's just the fact that like there's not much you can do to protect yourself from mm. it that makes it a lot more scary. And I think it is a big thing that's making girls just not want to go out. Like you're hearing so many stories at the minute. Yeah. And it's just a bit scary. We've been told from like so young, everything to do to stop getting yourself spiked, like cover your mm. drinks, watch your drinks being poured, don't take drinks from strangers. So it's like a lot of girls know how to not get spiked from your drink. Yeah. And pro people probably have gathered that and are like, oh, what can we do to make them feel even more to unsafe? To throw them off, yeah. Because there is literally nothing you can do to avoid being injected unless you wear like body armor. Yeah. Maybe. It does seem like there's just one thing after another with women that makes them just want to go out less and less. Mm. Like recently, there's been a lot. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just like, it's scary that it's a lot of the time premeditated as well. Like people are going out with the intention to spike girls on a night yeah. out. That's what I mean. That, that to me is just, it's, it's mental. You know what I mean? Like that is what. That's what I was just saying. Like, why would you plan that? Why would you be like, oh yeah, that's. Well, I know why, because you're a f like probably a weirdo, but mm. you know what I mean. It's it is mad, isn't it? Like, there are always gonna be these people in society. That's just a fact. There's always gonna be the odd nut job, yeah. and there might be less of them, and we can work to make sure there's less of them. But there could all there always be one, and as long as there's one, there's still a problem. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's. And a lot of people like criticise that argument, saying, oh, like, you can't just say, oh, there's always going to be these people. But there is. There's always going to be these people. Yeah. So this is what I mean. I think hospitality venues need to, hopefully, you know, this boycott, although it might not be that effective on them in terms of a financial uh, aspect of, like, hitting them where it hurts, which is mainly what they care about. Yeah. Um, it, might not be, it might not do much there, but... Hopefully, I know I know some of them, a lot of them have come out and sort of made statements about this kind yeah. of thing. Like I've, I've seen a couple of Leeds ones do it, which is quite good. Um, hopefully they will come out and just actually add some sort of like preventative measures mm. like for women to, and you know, just offering these things obviously for free. Should go without saying. If you see your mates engaging in this kind of weird behavior, then tell them, tell them, because all it takes to be fair is someone to go, because part part of it, yeah, part of it is a show to like their mates, isn't it? Like I've been, I can't count how many times I've been in the club with some with like someone who's been like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go and try and pull, watch this, and I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever, go on then. Um, and then they don't. All it takes is for them to for them to be told by their mates, actually, mate, just shut the fuck up and get on with your night you know what I mean it's literally all it takes and that could honestly it sounds like nothing but it could probably be the difference between someone you know thinking this behaviour is acceptable and that going on and snowballing into something that's a lot worse or them actually just saying yeah to be fair it's not funny my mates don't think I'm cool because I'm doing it girls aren't going to like me if I'm doing it 
what's the point? Jesus, it's been two hours. I know. We're two hours in to this end of year episode. If you're still with us, congratulations. Um, but we're almost done because we are going into November. And November saw the Owen Patterson saga. In which Owen Patterson, for those who don't know, uh, basically got found out for lobbying on behalf of a firm uh, or a few firms, I think, who were giving him money, basically cash for questions, cash for influence kind of thing. Sam, did this significantly damage the reputation of conservatives? Or do you think it was sort of not as bad as it could have been? No, I think it was ridiculous. There was a, we were watching the vote at work and we're like, you know, when they voted against the, uh, they basically voted to get him off and forget that it ever happened sort of thing. Yeah. And we're watching and we're all just like, what the hell? This is ridiculous. They can't be doing this. And I think it kind of brought into, it kind of demonstrated for a lot of people who haven't necessarily seen it before, the old guard of the Conservative Party and a lot of people, a lot of people who just do what they're told and don't question and don't care if it's so clearly, clearly dodgy. He was found by an independent panel that he was, they, they'd be lobbying on behalf of this company, that he's getting paid a significant amount of money for it. And I think it was just another massive miscalculation from Boris Johnson, who has a history of just doing what he wants and expecting to get away with it. It resulted in a lot of the 29 intake who did want to vote for it because they knew how damaging it would be to them and their marginal seats up north, voting for it and then facing the full force or like the, the resulting downpour of it. And then I think it's also been played a big part in the criticism that he's been receiving from his own MP speaking out more publicly, particularly over COVID bills. So I think it's just it's just led to a very long end of year. You think that, Boris start, that sort of was the catalyst? That, that's, the that was a catalyst for an, an event which realistically could have just been a minor blip and could just be them like look look they could have just voted it through, voted through the uh, the verdict. Be like look he cleared the break rules. There we go. Yeah. But a lot of people, a lot of his old his chums were like. Yeah, cool. And yeah. Andrew Ledson got told to put this bill up. So you know, it's like, it's like the Andrew Ledson Amendment. It was yeah. MPs like Bill Cash and other Tory old guard who were like, no, no, we can't put it for under our name because we're clearly good friends with him. So Andrew, can you just put it under your name for us, please? Mm. And that's what happened. Yeah. Speaking of MPs, landed in hot water. Claudia Webb in November was convicted of harassment and suspended from the Labour Party. Mentally, though, still an MP. She's still she hasn't been her because she's been suspended, but you can't. It's only, it's up to the electorate to. Uh, what are the electorate doing in Leicestershire East? Clearly, aren't mobilised enough to uh, put up an opposition to her. Mad that, but I'm glad that happened though because she was really annoying on Twitter and stuff. Very oh, weird. Yeah. She's still, she still is. Yeah, yeah, but there we go, Claudia Webb, yeah, an MP. Yeah, yeah. Still an MP, and she's a criminal. She's got a criminal record now, and an MP. I think that sums it up beautifully. <laughs> she's fitting. She's fitting the the bill then. Yeah, yeah. I'm real. I'm real. Um, also, November we saw uh, refugees drown to death in the Channel. A, a large amount. I think it was around thirty refugees. But the attitude from the public, and I, I've said this so many times, but it was just so neglectful. 
people were just like, oh, yeah, good. They shouldn't be doing this anyway. Absolute load of shit. Honestly, these people, and they are people, they are, they're refugees, but they're people. And I think ultimately we need to remember this. And the fact that they're willing to risk their lives crossing a, a body of water in a fucking dinghy to come and seek a better life for their family. They absolutely deserve respect. And the fact that they died and the fact that people were just not asked, it's absolutely sickening. I don't know what you think about it, Sam, but I think it is. No, there was, I could agree. There was, there was, it was kind of in the, sick in the media as well, was like 30 people died. And then it would, it, it, that was it. It wasn't even so much like a, there, it wasn't a media question to government or quizzing people what could be more could be done. It was just kind of a, a news article and, that, and then moves on from it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the yeah, government's well, response says we have this bill, but they weren't really making an amendment to it either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was honestly, it, it was brutal um, to see it. And, to see the reaction from it as well, it just almost, almost sickened me. Um, what, what, what did you think about this whole, whole situation there? I've already been through this a hundred times about this. Sum it up. People are just, people have forgotten how to be humans when you speak about stuff like this. Take anything else out of it. If someone drowns to death, how can you be rejoicing in that? Yeah, I, I think, yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. It's scummy. It's scummy, isn't it? Um, I'm gonna have to piss off. Like, you have to edit this out, but I'm gonna have to piss off in a sec. That's absolutely fair enough, mate. We're almost done, but I'll uh, I'll let you uh, yeah, we'll speed let you do a little do a little end of <laughs> end of your message for our beautiful Three, two, right, Liam. What what would you like to say? Because Liam's unfortunately gonna have to leave us. He's he's committed nearly two, over two hours of his time to us, uh, and and even more of that throughout the year. What would you like to say to the wonderful listeners of the Pine of Politics podcast, mate? Thanks for everyone listening. You must have put up with some uh, absolute waffle over the year, uh, especially to listen to off the bollocks that I come out with. And I'm amazed that you still listen. But yeah, cheers. Thanks a lot. Love it. Cheers, Liam, mate. <laughs> Top man. Um, enjoy. Happy New Year, everyone. Take care. Happy New Year. Yeah. And to you, mate. Enjoy Enjoy the rest of your year. And enjoy, yeah. uh, enjoy your meal out tonight. Yeah, see you for the next one. See you, mate. See you for well, the next you one. See you for the next one. <laughs> see you a bit, lads. Layers, mate. See you a bit, boy. Bye. There we go. And then there were two. Uh, and as, as we started it, mate. I was going to say, it's quite fitting, isn't it, that it's ended with just me and you. <laughs> um, yeah, I was kind as of trying to speed click off through now. some of that content there, but it was, yeah. Was, we've, only got December, we've only got December to go. That's it. What else happened in November? Masks were reimposed. Masks were reimposed. Restrictions were reimposed. Uh, and I made the shocking prediction that this will be the maximum amount of restrictions that they will possibly impose. So, well done, me. Um, well done. Fucked that one up, didn't I? Um, no, I don't, I don't think. I don't think Boris is listening. Like, oh, it's be funny. Yeah, it's funny. If, if I fuck, if I fuck with Connor and make it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Um, we also had an attempted attempted terror attack in Liverpool and shout out to the absolute hero taxi driver whose name escapes my memory. I want to say David something. Google it, Sam, I think that's please. Because I, 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 I know we said heard. we're going to do heroes and I think villains you've of just the year. Heard. We've, not, we've not done heroes and villains of the year in depth. 
but he's got to be one of the heroes of the year. The villains of the year go about saying, but the heroes need a special mention. And um, David Amos is a hero of the year. And this gentleman who... David Perry. David Perry. I knew it was a David. David Perry, massive, massive hero, that man. Um, Locked the terrorist in his taxi as he was attempting to make his way to, I think it was a, a, a church service on Remembrance Sunday. Absolute hero, absolute hero. And that sums up, I think, that the best a person can be, being that selfless. Um, so absolutely fair play to that man. Also saw in November, HS2 was scrapped in the North. Sam, will the North and the South ever be levelled up? What do we think? Is that going to ever happen? Not to the <laughs> previous promises. Yeah. Broken promises. What a theme. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think I, any I, government, I I think think any it, government I think who looks might, at it... It will take a while. Yeah, but it, it would require a government for once looking at long-term projects. Because most governments, and it's not just a conservative thing, only, I'm just referring to their recent, they're currently in charge, will look at a project like, how will this, it's like, oh, it's going to take 15 years, it's going to take 10 years, it's going to cost this amount of money. And they think, hey, are we going to still be, are we going to reap the rewards of this? Will we get the thanks for this? And that's true. Really, yeah. If it's taken 10 to 15 years, they probably won't be. And then most governments, yeah, will be like, oh, it's not really worth it, is it? That money could be spent on doing things right now and giving us a vote in the next election. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I think it might happen. It would just require slowly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Slowly. It won't be done. It won't be done as previous price. Previous price. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, Sam, I was trying to get. I thought you know we've had thoughts from all the major political parties. We've had thoughts from Labour, courtesy of George Aylett. Thoughts from the Lib Dems, courtesy of Andrew Pegg, and thoughts from the Green Party, courtesy of. Benjamin Smith. You know what I'm going to ask you next? Sum up the year for the Conservative Party for me, Sam. Rubbish. It's been and that's a year. Sam Howard on the <laughs> no, no, it's been it's honestly been. I think it's you've got the most I think it's the most detached that the party's been and I don't want to call myself a diehard conservative voter, but I I've had I experienced the party. I think it's the most divided that I've seen it or experienced it in a long time even at the local level that I experienced it with you've got the government who in my opinion are not and I said also, are not acting by any stretch of imagination as a conservative government by no means the imagination uh, their influence in people's lives is big government it goes against a lot of things what well things goes against things which the party should stand for and has stand for traditionally said for traditionally um, yeah and then you've got all the sleaze and the mistakes and the dodginess that's been surrounding them or the part of the government of the party over the last year and like I said so yeah dodgy year rubbish year one to be forgotten and one well yeah one more which will go down history as one of the worst in the part worst in parties recent history Is next year being any worse or any better it's hard to say <laughs> honestly I don't know I think I think I, I mean I, I'm not a fan of Boris Johnson, but I think he still has a, a way. Um, if they start acting and behaving within the, with, with 
I could, it could, a conservative mindset. It could get better, but yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't like making predictions in, in politics or in this government. So, or regarding this government. Fair enough, mate. Um, nice, nicely summed up. Let's move on to the final month and this month actually of 2021. It's been a long episode, so thank you very much if yeah. you stuck around for this long. Jesus Christ, you must be bored. Um, the Downing Street Christmas Party that happened actually last year, yep. but got released, uh, the information about this this year. Now, I don't know about you, but personally, uh, we spoke about this in a recent episode, so I don't really want to go too much into it, but I wasn't really annoyed about the fact they had a party. I was more annoyed about the fact Me that either. they were shaming other people for breaking the rules. But I was annoyed until ask- the video came out. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. What I want to ask you is, do you think this was a turning point in people's compliance with the restrictions? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Maybe not, maybe not mass, maybe not on mass. Uh, I think for a few, I think a lot of people start questioning restrictions more because this is the time where they're introduced these two restrictions and they're like, this is serious, this is serious, this is serious. And then it's like, like at the very beginning of the episode, we're saying how bleak January was. And this is, following it's these Christmas parties where it like just leading on to this bleak six or seven months that we were as a country in the face. So I think a lot of people were questioning the rules more, maybe not breaking compliance, but certainly questioning. And I think it played a part in the government's May recent decision. But then as soon as that video came out, I think you're probably going to bring this up in a second. As soon as the video came out, they further reintroduced restrictions yeah, and it, well, yeah, it that was very much. Point. It looks very much like that a, was a knee-jerk reaction, and that was a, it was a knee-jerk reaction. Everyone from one from what we've actually done. Yeah, and even certain people at work were saying, "You hear that? You hear murmurs beforehand. Even the pre- like, even the general public, the press would be reported beforehand." But this was literally sped up twenty-four hours after that video came out, and they had a press conference the next evening. It was clearly just a diversionary tactic to... 100%. 100% a distraction tactic. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't... Like I say, I think it was a turning point for quite a few people because it's very much the point of if these if the government can't abide by their own rules, then why should we? Rightly so. Um, and in a way, I'm glad it happened because it almost strengthened our, our point that we've been making for a long time, that you should not be complying with these restrictions because they are completely uh, against human rights, civil liberties, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately I think they, they shot themselves in the foot massively by introducing restrictions immediately after it, because all everyone thought was they're taking us from, for mugs. And it, it was a horrendous misreading of the public mood which is uncharacteristic, I think, for, for, for Boris Johnson, because I think he's actually quite good at that kind of thing usually, but absolutely made a cock up of it in, uh, in this particular I, instance. I think, he was still, I think they were still panicking and playing catch up after the uh, Patterson debacle, I think. And then just they thought they're out of the woods, that dropped. They're like, fuck. And then, yeah. Yeah, ultimately, I think that, that, that proves that these people do not give a fuck about you. They don't care. Mm. They don't care about you. They don't care about your family. They don't care about your 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 elderly dad who you couldn't go and see, you couldn't be with, who died alone. They don't care about that. And that's a terrible look. That is a terrible, terrible look. And potentially the worst a party can look. Um, 
And ultimately, though, I think it's it's been beneficial. Excuse the voice crack. It's been beneficial <laughs> to the extent that it's helped our point of view, and it's helped people come around to our to our views, which I which I've actually been grateful for. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I think that's one of the biggest scandals in in recent memory for me in in my living memory actually like in terms of politics I can't think of anything yeah. that was a bigger shitstorm than than the Down and True Christmas Party. I mean, I mean the quiz, the the videos that or the pictures that came out of the quiz was a a clutch from people who were trying to play cat. Like you know, they put the pictures out saying he hosted a Down and Street quiz. Yeah. The pitch they had was clearly over Zoom and it was three people in an office. So I think that was a a reach from opposition. But yeah, it, the, the Down Street Party in particular was a shit show. And the, and the following restrictions. Exactly. Absolute shit show. Sorry, shit guys, Connor's a silly, silly pizza, so... I'm swallowing it. I'm swallowing it. I promise. Um, oh, I've, yeah, I've said that it. before. We. Um, <laughs> hey. But yeah, um, I think that sums up the legacy of the Conservative Party in this year. To be honest, just yeah. lies. And like you said earlier, it's been a bad year. It's been a bad year for the Conservatives. Um, made worse. I think it can always necessarily in a, in a pandemic. It can always be bad, and it can always be a bad year, but exacerbated by their own shortcomings. Um, it was it was just poor. It was really poor. Um, yeah, I I I don't think there's much more that can possibly be said about about that year. No. It, it's been it's been terrible. No. But one man who can who can sum up the year much much better than I possibly can in terms of COVID and in terms of restrictions and in terms of lockdown. I'm going to hand over. It's him to to. Dan Sharp, also known as Pussy Man Dan. Let's get that, let's get that man on, and he can tell us a little bit about it in our final guest appearance at the end of year episode. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, what a what a great year it's been. Um, more lockdowns, more freedoms, more cheese and cheese and wine. <laughs> Oh god, it's uh, can't say that without laughing, really, can you? But yeah, I think um, I think my favourite moment of this year has got to be when um, when we found out that Boris had hosted a, a dinner party. Well, he said it obviously was a was a cabinet meeting, but but you know, like we know it's not. And then um, and then when I found out about it, like I text my dad, going, "It's one rule for them and one rule for us." And I laughed, like we laughed for absolutely ages. It was so funny. And then, um, and then I saw a tweet from some guy. I don't know if you know him. He's called like James Felton, and he said like things to bring um, at Christmas for your parties this year. And uh, he said um, if you are having a party, just just bring cheese and wine. And it, I just I, I just can't like keep up with like the humour. It's just so good. So yeah, I'd say that's probably um, that's probably my uh, my favourite bit of this year. Um, and then I called. Um, obviously, once I'd found out about the uh, the parties that they had like during lockdown, um, I also text my dad afterwards. After we'd stopped laughing about when I said one rule for them, one rule for us. 
I texted him again and I said that Boris was a bumbling buffoon and he was he just like he just didn't know what to say like he didn't he didn't even text me back for ages and like I think it was because it, what, what do you say to that it's just, it's just so good so yeah like hopefully um hopefully there's no uh there's no more incidents like that um but then I did I did actually say after that um anyone who um votes for Boris needs an eye test like um like Dominic Cummins did at, at Barnyard at Barnyard Castle I'm going to have to go off in a second, mate. So <laughs> we're wrapping it up now, mate. We're wrapping it up. Don't worry. All right, sweet. So that was Dan Sharp. Thank you very much for that man getting involved. He was obviously on the podcast not that long ago. Um, but yeah, top man, top man with some very uh, funny opinions, some very funny tweets. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much to all our guests who have contributed to this episode. And that is going to bring it to an end, I think, on a very nice note there. Um, well, I don't know, to be fair, because I haven't actually heard what he said yet um, at the time. Of oh, Jesus. So <laughs> it might be a horrible note. Who knows? Um, but I thought I'd just wrap it up with summing up what's been a fantastic year for us, to be fair. Um, like I said, we started this podcast back in January of this year, and it was just sort of a, a, a thing that we, me and you wanted to do when it's Sam. Um, I remember I messaged you and said, I yeah. want to start a podcast. Do you need a piss or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're like sitting good. there, like proper shifty. Um, no, I remember I remember saying to you, you know, do you, want, do you want to do a podcast with me? And you said, yeah, come on, let's do it. And it started from that. It just sort of, it, it started as a thing between mates, just having a chat about politics. And I think it's kept that actually, which is really nice. It's never, I'm not saying that we've like, have the opportunity to be commercialized because we really haven't um but but it has it's kept that sort of informal kind of attitude and atmosphere i really like that yeah um but yeah shame lee is so annoying though same lee yeah liam's a prick and we can say it now because he's not here um but yeah um i'll read out some of our stats this year over 5.1 million twitter impressions so over 5.1 million people have seen our tweets which is mad um we've had 26 and a half thousand twitter likes we've had over 4,000 streams on our podcast we've had listeners in the united kingdom the united states iran peru australia and in total 31 different countries weirdly as well most of our u.s listeners are in virginia and texas I can see the stats to that specific detail. I thought that was kind of weird, but there we go. And of course, the big statistic of the year is that we peaked at 13th in the US, pod- in the US, the UK podcast charts. Absolutely mental. Um, Sam, what would you like to say to our to our lovely listeners? Oh, yeah. But yeah, thank you for, <laughs> if you suck through this episode, thank you for sticking through this episode. But yeah, if, you, if you've returned a few episodes, thank you for coming, coming along. Listen to us chat shite for usually an hour. Um, yeah, pity up with Coda. I guess it's difficult. I've, I've been trying to shake it for a couple of years. So if any of you are still coming on to hear his voice, it's difficult. Brilliant. But yeah, Brilliant. see you next year. They will. They will. Yeah, I, I 100% like to reiterate that. Thank you so, so much. 
um, to everyone who supported us, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Spotify, whether you're listening to us, whether you're just interacting with us, whatever you're doing. Um, I, I honestly really, really enjoy doing it and we're going to keep doing it um, as long as as long as long people want us to, basically. Um, it's lovely hearing some of the great comments that we get. Believe it or not, we do get some nice feedback. It's lovely hearing people say, I really enjoy the podcast. Um it's yeah. I I never thought it would it would even be a, a a little thing, let alone you know. I thought we I thought we gave up by summer. I thought, honestly, I was like, ah, oh, we'll see how it goes. But I yeah. yeah, it's 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 fantastic, and ultimately, I wouldn't have we wouldn't have kept doing it this long if it wasn't for the the solid support that we've got. It's not a massive support base, but you're all proper proper sound and yeah like i say fair play to you give yourself a pat on the back if you've lasted this long in one sitting for one of our episodes um but yeah yeah thank you so much basically for your support i it, it does it does really mean a lot we take the piss in that um i'm never really soppy or anything like that but it does mean a hell of a lot um so yeah we will see you again next year in the big year of 2022 thank you so much for all your support all your lovely comments all your likes all your shares all your listens all your streams over the course of the last year but we will be back producing some more content for you um but yeah take care of yourself uh, and i wish you all from the bottom of my heart a very very happy new year (music) 